are watching Coco Talk, the world's leading weekly video podcast featuring a candy-colored computer. We spread the love to the past, present, and future for all models, including the original color computer, the Coco 3, and the world-renowned exclusive French Radio Shack. Coco Talk would like to thank the patrons who sponsor our show, so our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Al Hartman, Alan Huffman, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Patrick Randolph, Dinty, Disney Saints fan, Eric Canales, Fedor Stamen, Frodo NL, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Bucata, Jason Downs, Ken Reichert, Kyle Etter, Malfunk, Michael Pitsley, Rick Eulen, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Richard Lorbieski, Jenna Ferrin, Rob Inman, Alan Murphy, Stephen Wagner, Terry Steen, The Backyard Shed Gang, Perry Steggy, Tom C., Tom S., Tim Lindner, and Tony C. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off-color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Good afternoon, everybody. The results are in, and we know that you will be getting four more years of Coco Talk. You can always count on Coco Talk. We're here for you. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Yay! Yeah, Yay. congratulations, Jim. Yep, yep. I heard some people were demanding a recount, though. I'm not sure. The first one. The Commodore contingent is demanding a recount. <laughs> 6502s can't handle the 6809s in the run, <laughs> in the lead. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
Yes. Um, we're not getting audio on the stream, it sounds like. At least, Rob. Sorry about that. Well, I said a lot of funny things, and I had my mic turned off. So thank you, panel, for laughing at my jokes. I really do appreciate that. No problem. <laughs> we're here to make you look good. That's right. <laughs> well... We will talk more about the the recount to overturn uh, the election of Jim Brain later. Uh, but uh, <laughs> what we have on the panel, we have an esteemed panel here. Uh, Paul Barton, who knows a few things about wires and cables and color computers and lots of things. We've got him uh, uh, available and ready. And how are you doing today, Paul? Are you out there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh I've been playing around with these control alt reset images to, you know, different styles and coloring. Try to get some uh, regular video and then inverse videos by just modifying the code and keeping the picture. But right now, what I'm showing is uh, artifacting on an RGB monitor. It's blue and white, and you can see red. And I know it's not focused very well because it's not a very good camera, but it's got red in there. And I'm showing the white edge so you can see the... It's Definitely not really it's different. coming through very yeah, well. But a... it is doing it. It's nice bright red in the... But is that your green gun going high on the upper border of the image there? No, it's not converged. That, I need to move the yoke, so don't oh, worry about that's that. Oh, funny. Well, I was just wondering. It just yeah, it's okay. Anyway, so, so that's what the my image looks like. It's basically a 256 by 192 black and white with the headers stripped out of it. So it's 6144 decimal bytes of image and then... It's upside down, so you have to build the picture upside down in as a BMP. It looks you know, right for me. BMP. And then <laughs> I just take it and patch it into the ROM and reburn the ROM, <clears throat> or reassemble the whole thing and then reburn the ROM. So I can plug it in. I use little PLCC thirty-two ROMs, and uh, that works out pretty good. I've got several jumpers on there so I can wander through different images and different uh, boot sequences. You have theme uh, ones for like Christmas holidays and stuff too then? Or? Oh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, hang on a second. This is what the header looks like now. <clears throat> well, that's the whole thing. <laughs> I used up the whole space for both headers, and I just put in a bunch of dumb text so I could have some fun with it. 
Even though it's not really important, it's just something to do. <laughs> Mostly you know, hacked you... by guard <laughs> <laughs> Nothing sacred anymore, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's basically it, what I was showing. At least it doesn't say Commodore 64 basic ready. Oh, gosh. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's not all that. And well, the, this is uh, blasphemy. This is blasphemy. I feel triggered. Hey, that might confuse Jim. And if I Jim. type CLS 100, it comes up HD 63CO90P. So oh, rather, rather than actually. Microsoft? <laughs> yeah. You secretly switched this Coco to Commodore Basic. Will Jim Brain no notice? <laughs> of course he will. So somebody asked me, I asked about artifacting in the image itself, and apparently it's doing something, but I don't know how to control it. So. Okay. Well, we'll come back to you, Paul, That's if you it. want to go into more detail there on any of those projects or what you're doing there in the ROM. Okay. Um, sure. Just let, let us know. And uh, a, a guy who likes to play with... Uh, images and audio and um, occasionally get stuck in a, a few CRT monitors as, as I've been known to do. <laughs> He's from down under. He, I'm out of stuff to say about him because <laughs> I'm just speechless with his talent. He's David O'Connor, everybody. Hello, everybody. I'm still stuck here in this uh, CRT. I'm, uh, yeah, Stevie gave me some more oxygen and uh, I'm having fun in here. It's actually kind of cool. I like it, so I'm going to stay here for a while. Don't panic, David. We'll get you out. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to worry about uh, crazy stuff on the news when I'm in here. I am the news. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, it's just going to take a while for us to swim down there. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say it'd be nice and warm in there for winter, but it's going to—it's getting hot where you're where you are. Yeah, coming into summer, it's going to be mid 30s in 35 degrees. That's Celsius here in this week, so it's pretty warm. You might want to tell us we're getting half a foot of snow this weekend. Oh, you, you send some over it. here. <laughs> Just you be might. nice, David, or we'll degoss you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We've got some CRT humor here today. It's going to be a lot of. I was going to say you could summer in on an LCD panel for if you want to be cooler later, but uh, I'm working on my. <laughs> got one next to me. <laughs> Well, speaking of, we talked a little bit about uh, 6502s earlier, and hopefully uh, not too much more on today's channel, but but a guy who knows a few things about uh, Apple products that use that processor is Mark D. Overholzer. Thank How you. Are Glad you? to be here, as usual. And we love all our, all processors equally. Well, that's not exactly true, but... <laughs> the 6309 is as good as the 6809, but we leave out the 6502. That's right. <laughs> um, next on the panel, Rondo Vo, a guy yes. who needs no introduction. Nope. Let's face it. Just he's, move along. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a garage. He's got things in it. He's got lots of color computers. He's got half a garage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's got Tandy computers. Um, how are you doing, Ron? And uh, welcome to the show. Pretty darn good. Weather's good. Everything's good. Yeah, the weather is good. Pretty nice. I've been having yeah. a, a whole week of playing around on my cocoa, and I I did some work on uh, trying to bring in uh, WeFax on my uh, color computer, which 
I got a couple of channels, but they weren't exactly broadcasting, but I did post a couple of things. I'll go over it later, show you guys. Okay. Yeah, that's right. We'll do a little Ron's Garage um, yeah. later in the show. Um, Patrick Euland is on the panel, guy who knows OS9 and all sorts of stuff and, and drops degaussing and, and, you know, and <laughs> casual conversation. Uh, how are you doing, Patrick? Welcome to the panel. Oh, fairly well. You know, I decided three open projects weren't enough, so I started a fourth and fifth one. So that's right. That is good. Hey, yeah, hey you, I'm all for it. Absolutely. You had a um, a high res joystick uh, project at one point. Yeah, that's. Uh, I actually had to redo my tool chain because the uh, software I used to use went in house only, and you couldn't make generic Gerber files from it anymore. So I had to learn a whole new CAD program. And so, yeah, it's been a fun summer. Um, I went right back to college in a little way there. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm doing output again. So I, of course, decided to open up a bunch of new projects with my newfound skills and uh, create a total catastrophe. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paul's showing. What What are you showing, Paul, uh, on the screen? Paul's showing a chip of Ooh. some kind. It's a Motorola 6809. Oh, a ceramic ceramic with gold yeah so if you wanted to not that not to get off topic here from patrick but but if you wanted to you could wire up that ceramic 6809 and the coco wouldn't know the difference right no right. it's an 03 oh okay it's a oh, 6803 oh, mm. oh okay well let's yeah. not Let's not bring up the world's nicest. <laughs> we were having <laughs> such, we were having such a good show before we brought up the MC10. <laughs> but uh, Patrick, any, did you want to preview that project now, or you want to want us to come back to you later? Yeah, I'm not really uh, don't really have much to show off yet, but I'll have a little bit for acquisitions just to say, hey, look. Okay. I think it's interesting. Okay, so I got my first. Here's the old circuit board that I made with the prototype company. Here's the ones that I got from JLC PCB. Okay. Um, much nicer, silk screened and all of that stuff. And like, they do the work. The price. Yeah. You know? work. Oh, thank you. Uh, interesting. I have good, I have a good feeling about this because they sent me a free keychain. It's a cat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I expect their products will work nicely in this application. Okay. And uh, oh, here's something exciting. Speaking of uh, exciting things, so here's my original 6550 serial port, and it fits in a ROM pack just. Nice. Okay, here's yeah. the same chip nowadays. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So yeah, I expect to get a few more items in this ROM pack game case here, and so Maybe that's my next project. Two. More bang for the buck. Cramming more bang in a ROM pack here. So we'll see how that goes. All righty. Well, we will keep moving on our Hollywood Squares panel, which Zoom keeps shifting around. But next is a guy from Canada. He uh, worked on some, uh, some something called OS9, uh, the sequel to OS8. I believe that old obscure thing. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't do any work in OS9, just Nitrous 9. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. 
<laughs> That's true. And I'm like Rick, I've got, you know, too many projects. Yes, we know. You, we've got Beta 6 coming soon. I put up my little Beta 6 badge, just like I do around the house, so that I know uh, I know you're always working on something for Nitrous 9. Yeah. How are you a doing? preview went out to some of the testers here, too. I mean, there's still more stuff to add and you know, more stuff to fix, but... Yes, I did some quick quick looking. I, I probably have to dig into that a little bit more, uh, but I gave you some initial feedback. Yeah, um, I got feedback from a few people so far, so that's good. I, I will say one thing quickly because it doesn't really qualify as news or anything, but Floyd Resler, who wrote the game that I put out for testing, because I did change some of it when I put it up, he's uh, actually had some chance to play it, and he goes, oh, I forgot how good this game was to play, and he says, I can really see five things I want to fix up now. So expect yeah. a, a, an updated no, version coming from him in the future. It is a really good game. Yeah, I hope he does fix the few things uh, that you know that I saw that I kind of was was talking to you on email about. But uh, yeah, I mean Nick Nick Morandi's and a few others have also mentioned some things, and I've mentioned a few to him as well. But uh, he was he was cranking out the games back then. He he brought out four games in the span of a year and a half back at that time, and he was still learning things. We're still running the old version of Science. Everything was slower, so we had to make a bunch of compensations for that, which he doesn't have to do anymore. So, yeah, he's got a lot of ideas, including some I hadn't thought of and none of us had thought of. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, I, I'm not going to give any Marotas any ideas, but uh, GemQuest might be a candidate someday for a for a game on segment. Um, but we'll have to see, you know, if, it, if it's, uh, you know, if it's, if it, it's it'll be a while. I think Nick's booked for the rest of the month from my here. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just uh, I'm just uh, complimenting GemQuest. I think it would be it's a really fun game and. Perhaps it'd be on uh, on the docket for the future. Um, speaking of uh, game on and and game playing and high scores and another yet another Canadian taking American <coughs> Zoom panel spots, it's Nick Marota. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm here to fulfill the uh, CRTC, which is our equivalent to the FCC requirements for Canadian content. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was yeah. There's there used to be something called the fairness doctrine, uh, where you had to have you know both sides of a story on TV, and that's what certain we have. percentage, certain percentage of Canadian music on radio stations, that sort of thing. Yeah, yes. I don't know if that's still in play, but yeah, so we get to hear Celine Dion even more than you Yanks. Sorry. We've we've hit the just the right uh, amount of. Lucky you. I think we've. Oh, we've we're hit. still out of compliance because we have no French. <laughs> Coco do said Coco do at the beginning in the in the bumper. So <laughs> subtitles aren't good enough. Well, anyway, got, great to be here, Rob. Great to ha- have you. Do you have anything other than what we we're kind of? I know we're going to talk about pipes. Yeah. Lots of pipes. Yeah. Game on is uh, it was a big week this week, so uh, be uh, settle down for the uh, high score list. It'll take a little while. Anything else that that you've been up to? And to, I know you've uh, used to be working on Mame. Um, no, I never worked you, on did. You Mame. did you? Well, you were um, you you play on Mame sometimes. Oh yeah, VCC is more my thing when I do emulators. No, didn't do a whole lot Coco related this week. And how, any any acquisitions later? You, Maybe I might. Okay, well, great. We we have just enough Canadians and probably too many Australians, but we're going to keep moving on. <laughs> Neither are of those, I believe, of our next guest, Frodo. Frodo, your your NL stands for uh, Netherlands. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. 
So that you're more than welcome, unlike those Australians. <laughs> hey, yeah, 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 enough of that. Total opposites. <laughs> huh? Yeah. <laughs> this I'm is your first time on the show, you. too. Yeah, it's my first time. Uh, I thought there weren't enough Europeans on here, so I thought I might as well. That's right. We want we want all the different continents um, <laughs> with us. I'm I've been to I've been to Australia five times, so I'm I'm uh, obviously teasing the, you, the panel. You did say continents, then, didn't you? Not incontinence. <laughs> We're not Sorry. that old yet. <laughs> We're getting there. Hey, look, that's nah. the, that's the beauty of Zoom. We really don't know who's incontinent, and let's uh, let's let's keep it that way. <laughs> so Frodo, since it's your first time, did you want to do a little bit of your, you know, how you got started in computers and how you found the show and that kind of thing? Or? Yes, tell us about your life. Oh boy. Um, well, I my first computer I ever touched was uh, Sinclair ZX80 in uh, high school. It was in the electronics club, and well, from there it all started. Uh, the first I owned was a Timex Sinclair 1000, uh, the ZX81 uh, basically, but with 2K RAM. Um, I programmed on there a bit in basic and assembly, <laughs> and then went on to the ZX Spectrum. Yes, I stayed with Z80. I uh, Still do Z80, even though I wear a bit of a weird shirt today. Um, <laughs> I uh, then went on from there to uh, go to PC because I went to, to college, study uh, informatics, and I quit there, but uh, ended up working in a few stores selling computers. And then in the end, I, uh, 1898, I uh, went to work for a large IT company over here, started as a Unix admin. Nowadays, uh, data storage uh, specialist, between quotes. Um, but and at home, I still do a lot of uh, retro gaming again since about five years. Mostly uh, Spectrums, but I like some other computers too. So I uh, ended up uh, with watching uh, the Amigos uh, podcasts, uh, for videos and streams and podcasts. And they were talking about this weird thing called Coco. So, well, okay, I met Curtis there, decided to have a look at uh, this stream, and we have been playing a bit with it, uh, as you might have noticed. Oh, neat. You're using a mister, mister for your cocoa, aren't you? I use a mister, yeah, because uh, I don't have the money nor space for uh, uh, real hardware, especially at current prices, because it's pretty hard to uh, find uh, real hardware uh, when it comes to cocoa over here in the Netherlands. I have taught uh, Cocos because um, there's the Home Computer Museum in uh, Helmond, where I'm a patron of, and uh, they have a few Cocos there, which uh, I have played with. So it's fun cool. stuff, but for now, it's, uh, we'll have to do with the Mister. What do they have there? Do they have like Coco 1, 2, and 3? or um, They have a, now I have to think, Coco 2. They have uh, MC10 there and the French version of the MC10. Yeah, and some nice. other stuff, but that's all hit, That's all in storage because <coughs> there's too much stuff there. Uh, I shared some pictures of from there uh, a few months ago on the on the Discord. So yeah, we've gotten uh, a couple of people come over from Amigos, and Frodo's one of them, and you're one of the more active people in the game on Challenge now, which I really appreciate. Yeah, I like to play games. Uh, We've noticed it's, uh, you're exceptionally display. good at it. <laughs> uh, some some games are just just happen to be my style. Uh, when it comes to puzzle games uh, with not too much time pressure, yeah, then uh, then I'm in. 
absolutely. <laughs> Very cool. So yeah, we'll hear more from you later during the game on segment. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Great. We'll um, we'll continue with the panel introductions and Brian Shubring. How are you out there? And uh, how is your laryngitis? Don't you have that vocal issue sometimes? Hello, everybody. Oh, yes, it's back in full force. How's everybody doing? I'm doing just great. <laughs> we've got a. You could vo- voice out the, the whole cartoon there. We could make a few bucks. Hey, that's good. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing and good. What are we seeing on your screen here? Oh, that's just the uh, my real Coco doing the maze. Okay, real Coco. Amazing. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> maze solver program. <laughs> Looks That's the amazing like world of Brian Shubring. Wasn't that a radio check cartridge or something? <laughs> <laughs> it looks a lot like my rip-up router trying to... <laughs> well, anything you've got uh, going on, Brian? Uh, um, I know, you know, I haven't um, played around with Ultimuse lately, but I'm hoping to get back into that. Um, any MIDI stuff or other other projects you're working on? You're muted. Can't hear you with your audio setup. You hear me now? Yes. Yep. yep. Okay, yeah. I just had the mic gain down a little bit. Uh, no, no, I've just been busy with a lot of other things and such and uh, family stuff and that, so I haven't uh, d- tackled anything at all. Everything's kind of been static lately, but uh, I'm healthy. I'm doing good. Just busy with work. <laughs> Everybody's got to pay tax, and they got to deal with that data. That's right. <laughs> yep, I know how. You, I know if, what you feel. I, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, one of our illustrious uh, uh, occasional guests and back on the panel um, from down under, Chad Cunningham, Cunnington. I always have to say that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was close enough. Uh, yeah, Chad, Chad Cunnington, how are you doing? And what are you up to these days? Glad you're back, Chad. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, as I was saying earlier to you guys, surviving on about two hours sleep a night—that's uh, that's lots of fun. But uh, just you know, working around that and just trying to um, find out a, a viable solution. Uh, obviously, a lot of you guys know I started on the Coco back in 1986. Collected uh, up to around seven of them from Coco twos through to Coco 3s. I had four Coco 3s. They were all offloaded. I actually was looking at Coco stuff on the internet around 2016 just just because I was reminiscing about those days and I saw Coco Facebook group and I went, click. (laughs) What is this? Okay, join. What's your favourite computer? Well, the TRS-80 Coco 3, of course. And uh, what's your favourite magazine? Rainbow. Okay, in. (laughs) <laughs> looking through and it was just I I can't express enough how much this group has actually saved me like just the amount of uh, like with my post uh, that I put up earlier today the amount of times that I've struggled in my life with my autism 
It's um, it's a real battle. And uh, you guys have actually been there for me. And what I'm doing now, heart, hand on heart, guys, I was actually, while I was typing that, I was sitting in a cafe waiting for my friend to meet me for breakfast. The street where I'm at the moment, there's a coffee and cars meet where they bring all the hot fours and hot rods. Uh, you know, they do a couple of little, what we call a, a single pegger or a double pegger burnout or skids. <laughs> if they do it right, they'll get two tyre burnouts. Well, this idiot decided he was going to do it right on the corner of a busy intersection, lost control, and my friend who was supposed to meet me for breakfast was sitting right next to him, hit the lights. So he nearly oh. ran her off the road. Oh. Then he almost hit the phone box, like the telephone box, almost actually hit the, as he hit the curb, he could have flipped it and landed in the cafe where I was sitting and waiting for my friend to turn up. And he fell one metre short of my car. Whoa. Now, I absolutely lost it. I absolutely lost it. I'll tell you something else, which is really weird about this. So I went out and I just started clapping and I said, bravo. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I was a bit more colourful than that. Yeah. I think I, I, I should have just called him a friggin' snowflake. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, and I started clapping and I said, nice car, mate. Pity you can't afford some common sense or, more importantly, a defensive driving course or just afford to, you know, be considerate for everybody else that's on the road. Yeah. And what yeah. I said to him, more importantly, you could have gone the extra mile and actually written my car off because I could have gotten something better. <laughs> so this, this happened this morning? This happened this morning oh, wow. right after I put this post up. The post up oh, my apologetic yeah. post. Now, my my oldest brother died in a car accident in 1986, the same year that I got my Coco Three. He's he was into some bad bad stuff and hanging out with the wrong crowd, and they were drag racing and you know there was other factors involved. And uh, the car flipped, landed on his head. Uh, the car flipped. He was the passenger, crushed his head, and he died instantly. <sighs> now. There's a quote that I'm going to give you guys uh, from the Count of Monte Cristo remake from 2002 because it really rings true to what I'm saying. And I'm going to put up the photos of this idiot's car as well. I've already sent messages to the organisers of the group. So, you know, sorry to put a sullen sort of mood on the thing, but I've just, I was sitting there thinking this morning, life is short. Why don't we just cut all this BS out? and be friends. We're all yeah. here for yeah. one reason, yep. the cocoa, but we're also here. Some of the people on this panel and outside of the panel, David, Nick, and Nick Marentes, Nick Maroda, uh, Dave O'Connor, Simon Yanassen, Brian, Riser, God love him. Uh, you know, they've been better friends to me than some of my own family and friends. And actually been supporting me through my marriage breakup. 
So I want to put my hand on my heart and just thank you guys for saving my life. I love you guys. You're cherished by us, Chad. You really are, mate. That's Seriously, true. I mean that. It's, it's, We're so glad it's you're just, here. Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome that you can share this with us. And, you know, it's uh, a quick thank you, David. Well, thank you. Now, I'll quickly grab this quote. It was um, where the Count of Monte Cristo is giving this speech to his friend's son, which, albeit, turns out it's his own son. And he says, Life is a storm, my young friend. You will bask in the sunlight one moment, be shattered on the rocks the next. What makes you a man is what you do when that storm comes. You must look into that storm and shatter as you did in Rome. Do your worst, for I will do mine. Then the fates will know you as we know you. Albert Mondego, the man. Now, a lot of this stuff that's been going on, you know, little taunts and whatever, we've been ch little children. How about yeah. we start being men? Yep, yeah, amen. I'm guilty of it myself. You know, I, I saw it as a harmless little dig. You know, I didn't really realise that snowflake meant a, p a political label. I thought it was just a, you know, a quiet little thing. Mm. And that's where the problem lies when we're so caught up in our own personal drama, our own agendas even, that we forget that other people out there are going through their own battles. Yeah, very true. Good point. Mm. And it's that's why I said to the guys, if anyone wants to um, send me a you know, private message on Messenger, so I can get to know them because there's so many people in the panel. Like there's a guy that I saw on there made a comment, didn't even had never seen his name before. He's another Aussie, and um, he sort of slipped in under the radar. And I'm like, well, okay, yeah, I'll I'll send him a message, but obviously I haven't gotten around to doing that as yet. So yeah, I've uh, finally got another Coco three thanks to Ian, uh, Ian Maverick, and. Yep. Um, I actually, um, yeah, ironically, how I met him was very bizarre. It was, um, I was putting up a, oh, look what this joke has got this for sale on on eBay, and he goes, that'd be me, and I'm like, oh, hello. Oops. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and uh, much respect to the guy. He does a lot of great work, and I was, um, talk I actually met Darren Ottery. Uh, we did a little bit of a sale of some non-Coco-related stuff with some MIDI stuff, and we did a bit of a trade. I gave him some old Tandy stuff that I had that I had no use for. I was actually looking at posting it up to the page and saying, is anyone interested in this? It's not exactly Coco stuff, but it's Tandy. It was like Tandy LEDs and so forth, and he said, yeah, I'll grab the whole lot. And um, I got some uh, Coco, Oz Coco magazines out of off him and um, we had a good, you know, good talk. It was very brief because he had to go back to work, but it was good just to connect with someone like I did with Nick when I went, uh, Nick uh, Marentes, when I went for coffee with him when I first joined the group. Nick was my idol um, when, I was a, when I was a teenager. I saw the donut dilemma in the um, back of the, I believe it was Rainbow Magazine, and most of my friends in school were Commodore, Commodore, 
that that was it. Nothing else could beat the Commodore. I said, well, check out this. You know, we've got a few good games here. No, Commodore's great. I said, yes, but they're all 8-bit clones of standard games. There's nothing original in them. Check out this game here, Donut Dilemma. Still my favourite game of all time on the Coco 2. And I, I remember um, when I saw uh, Rupert Rhythm come out, I was so ecstatic. I still haven't beaten that game yet, Nick. I'll get around to that one day. My best friend beat it. I said, yeah, play this game. It's great. And he actually clocked it. And we watched the concert at the end. So if anyone's got footage of that concert, great, if we can post it up. And uh, I know, Nick, you know, it's your least favourite game, but I tell you what, you've given me some joy with it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I've got this stock uh, 128K Coco 3 now, so eventually I'm just going to start doing all these upgrades so, so I can get, uh, you know, all the other games off Nick. Um, and obviously other other people as well, other authors. Um, I Nick knows uh, the gentleman I bought my last Coco off. He ran the Bayside user group out of um, Colin, like North. E Colin North. Rest, rest in paradise, my friend. He ran the east the eastern contingent of of the cocoa and i tell you what he was such a great wealth of knowledge i worked if i had a problem he'd say look if you if you're stuck on something and you're not sure ring me and i'm yep yeah, no worries and so i'd make a list i wouldn't just keep bugging him i'd make a list and i remember one time i was struggling to solve something like uh, uh black sanctum when i bought all his cocos off him he said um you know, anything you're struggling with with Coco stuff? And I said, just Black Sanctum. I can't seem to get past the board that's on the door. And he says, yeah, you have to play the Fuge, not just play Bark. And I'm like, was that simple? Okay. You know, so it's just little things like that. And um, Bob DeVries, I remember dealing with him a lot and getting some uh, aftermarket uh, Coco gear. And um, there was one other gentleman, but he was – he was a little bit toxic and he, I think they sort of outed him out of the community because he was just sort of like bad-mouthing everybody else and causing drama. But, um, yeah, so that would have been early 90s. I got my very last uh, 512K. Uh, I think it was a triad. I didn't even know the 6309 existed back then. It wasn't until I joined this group that I discovered that. And... Um, yeah, that's that's an upgrade that I'll obviously be looking at getting as well. Well, uh, we just wanted to to acknowledge Ken in the live chat saying, first of all, glad you're here, Chad, and hang in there. Um, Ken also uh, mentioned at one point that this is getting too serious. Can somebody make a fart joke so I'll feel more comfortable? Right. <laughs> So that is the uh, that is the kind of comedy material that you can expect today. Uh, but uh, no, appreciate um, everything that you said, and glad that you you got a Coco three and you're able to to work on that. And um, and if you have other other stuff to go over um, today, or you want to give more Nick more compliments on Rupert Rhythm, <laughs> uh, somebody has to. You cut uh, him short, damn you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Nick. 
<laughs> we are not worthy. We are not worthy. We are no, not we're worthy. Just, <laughs> we're just going to finish the introduction of the panel, and absolutely, we can loop back to Black San- Sanctum or or Rupert Rhythm or Nick Marinta's trash can <laughs> in Nitrous Night. Um, in the live chat, though, I will mention we've got Kevin Holloway was out there. Retro Innovations, um, the uh, the president. Uh, the new president, Retro Innovations, with Mark Overholzer, Nick Marota. Uh, who else we got? Eight bits in the basement. Isn't he? Isn't Eight bits in the basement um, in France? We were talking about we didn't have a, a Frenchman on the panel. I could swear that he was from France. Curtis Boyle, Frodo, who is on the panel uh, in the live chat. Jim Rye. Um, getting some wind noise. I don't know where the wind yeah. noise is coming from. I think it's in chat. It might be your mic, is it? Is it he said he wanted some fart jokes. So they- yeah, there you go. <laughs> We've got somebody's uh, it might be my. It might be my air con. Uh, yeah, it would be too. Yeah, yeah if you could. Um, like- yeah. I'll move out of the starburst and out of the air con. <laughs> <laughs> wind is breaking. Oh, crap. Uh, <laughs> I was staring at that thing behind your head. It kind of looked like a printer. <laughs> There's the joke. Yeah, a great big printer mounted on the wall. Um, <laughs> early in the early in the beginning of the show when I accidentally muted my mic, yes, uh, we, we did fix that. And we've also got Nimble out in the live chat. Uh, who's, who else? AC's 8-Bit Zone. Um and the the list goes on and on. Um, well, thanks to everyone for 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 all the the comments uh, so far in the chat. And appreciate you being here. And wanted to also introduce the man of the hour. Um, might have to mute you uh, if you could go and mute there, Chad. I'm still getting still getting that uh, wind. Um. The man of the hour, Nick Morentes, who knows a, a bit of a little bit of something about pipes and semigraphics and <laughs> background music and trash cans and how are you doing, Nick? And hey, good day, everyone. Yep, I'm all right. Yep, <laughs> just uh, standing on my head so I can see what you guys are saying. That's right. Well, yeah, that's all. Hey, thanks. Nick. Yeah, I understand. Uh, OS nine has pipes. It does actually. Yes. <laughs> there you go. I, I was. I was not a... quite as fun though. <laughs> exactly. So. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Unix guy. I recognize him too. <laughs> there. Some nice clean pipe humor. I like that. Well, uh, uh, Nick, I know we're going to talk more about the game uh, yeah. shortly. Anything else you you wanted to cover today? Nah, no, nah, nah. then we'll move along. <laughs> All right, well... Vegemite. More Vegemite. Yeah, I had some Vegemite uh, last night with my sausage, and that's not a, a euphemism. Uh, next on the panel is... <laughs> I, I, re- I really did. <laughs> Garlic, onion. Sausages and Vegemite, that's a new one. <laughs> yeah, I put, I put Vegemite in a lot, of, a lot of things. It's great, nice and salty. Italian uh, sausage, hot it, Italian sausage. It was a French um, apple sausage. Mm. Uh, pandering to them Canadians, ain't you? <laughs> yeah. We have to. <laughs> we have to. They make up thirty percent of the uh, cocoa community. 
Uh, Mr. Dave is out there. He's a guy with uh, 6809, and he, he loves them, and he, he did stuff with raspberry pies and all sorts of stuff and likes um, K-pop, or I think. I can't remember. But how are you doing, Dave? Oh, I'm always good. I've been pretty busy lately. Lots of projects. What have you made your cocoa do now? Is it uh, can can your cocoa stream cocoa talk yet? Uh, can it can it actually stream the my, show? So I don't have to do this anymore. Yeah, my cocoa too can do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't say his MC10 could. So <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I got I got plans for the MC10. Uh, I've got a lot of machines and a lot of irons in the fire at the moment. Uh, one of which is I'm going to make a Coco 3 game for the first time. Yay. Oh, that should be a fun project. Plus lots of hardware stuff going on. And your Coco 3 uh, game, so do you have a Coco 3 or are you going to be using um, emulator to do that? I have a, I have a Coco 3, yeah. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, I have one I'm supercharging, of course, and I have a stock one. Great, so you'll have real hardware to, to test on. Oh, yeah, no, I, I love real uh, hardware. I just got myself a Vectrex for the first time. So that's kind of a cousin of the Coco. It's running the 6809. That's right. For now. Now, do you have the, the, the not to get too off the Coco, but do you, do you have any issues with um, uh, mm-hmm. the speakers? I know there's a couple of fixes for the Vectrex with the crackly sound coming out of the speakers and things. How, how, is, the, how is the Vectrex that you have? Yeah, it's got the traditional Vectrex buzz, so okay, I'm going to put in a different little um, audio board, and I'll probably add a little bit of reverb to it to give it a little more depth. Um, I'm probably going to put a 6309 in there, and uh, it's not hard to program games for the Vectrex. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of ROM and bias calls you can use, so I'm going to try uh, to play with that a little bit too. Now, Kent, will you be able to run Nitrous 9 Ease of Use Beta 6 <laughs> on the Vectrex? If Curtis wants to spend the next three years doing a modification, sure. Nope. <laughs> 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 shake head there going up from Curtis at the top. I was going to ask, actually, since you're playing and doing a game for the Coco 3, and obviously the Vectrex is designed for games, and you're putting a 6 through 9 in both of them, are you planning on doing the same game on the two different machines? No, it, it's going to be a different uh, style of game. I'm doing really a, a graphically um, a, a game with a lot of graphics and uh, adventure. I can maybe show you a little preview after we're done okay. introductions. That is the question. How weird is graphics on a Vectrex? Well, it, I mean, it, it's neat. There's no no <laughs> doubt about it. And it's, it's pretty hard to emulate because you, you can't, you know, get that that brightness in your face, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a stroke box, not a raster box. Okay, well, but it, it's fun. Well, Are you going to make the screen sideways instead of tall? Yeah, it, it might fall over at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of landscaping. And I'm pretty sure that Mr. Dave helps qualify us for a Canadian, French-Canadian content. So, Yeah, I would actually like to ask that you close Zoom and stop others coming in and keep it more Canadian. 
<laughs> well, there goes uh, our host. I hate to tell he's gonna, you. He's going to turn us in. Yes. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm going to take that to court there. I think we should stop it right now. I no more it, counting. Any Americans so when do we mandate French? Yes. We may have to quarantine Americans before we go into the Canadian Zoom here. Um, uh, just on the Vectrex, guys, um, I remember my, uh, my family friend, she was another Coco user, and uh, her neighbor actually had the Vectrex. But I only had one game on it. It was Scramble. I noticed some of them actually have one game only in some of them. Is that how they operated, or are they different? Well, they have a cartridge slot, uh, which is good because I can make my own cartridges for for most of the machines now. So, um, but they do give you a game preloaded in the ROM. And what's interesting about that is if you're writing a game, you can call on the the previous game's functions as your own. So because there's a game residing in the machine, if you want to do special effects like an explosion, you can use their ROM calls and just call their subroutine and it'll do what was programmed in that game. Sweet. So it looks intimidating. It looks intimidating. You see the Vectrex, you see these weird vector graphics and stuff. But I actually got a chance to try programming on it, and I, w- I was surprised that it, it's really not that complicated. So you think our Gimme X will fit in there? <laughs> Wouldn't do any good in a vector system. <laughs> I always wanted a raster vector in the same machine, so you could kind of have a really cool background and then a mix and match. Yeah, wouldn't that be a thing? Uh, well, I guess Photoshop you could over, <laughs> over voltage your CRT and you, you'll get some pretty exciting things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want explosions, man. There you go. That sounds like the mystery <laughs> day of I know. <laughs> Set off all the reefer caps. <laughs> Stink the room out. <laughs> okay, so we'll, we'll definitely keep us posted, Mr. Dave, on uh, you know anything you want to go over um, later in the show. I wanted to to bring on our Alan Murphy. Our, uh, That's a good idea. We we know about L. Curtis Boyle, but we don't always talk to R. Alan Murphy. Is he still here? I thought he was. R. Alan, are you are you still out there on the panel? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, howdy, howdy, everybody. Um, I'm just kind of glad that uh, Mr. Dave has had all kinds of projects going, but no major fires that I've heard before. <laughs> so we're we're in good we're in good shape there because you know he was just talking about overvolting a CRT and stuff. Uh, no, but what you have to be careful of when you're programming your Vectrex, Mr. Dave, is making sure that you don't collapse your CRT guns down to one point for too uh, long. Burn a hole in the in the in the. Yeah, you'll well, you'll at least burn the phosphor, and then you have a dot you can't get rid of. So yeah. uh, pay very careful attention to that. Are you speaking? Yeah, I'll, from, I'll keep things moving. Are you speaking from experience? Um, I might be. <laughs> I have programmed some stuff on a Vectrex. He's not kidding. It's uh, it's sixty eight oh nine, but it's very heavily BIOS based. So you just load registers, call a function, load registers again, call another function, and you can get quite a bit done with the library of code that they have built in. It includes music and stuff. So it, it's kind of the opposite of the Coco, where they said, 
here's the three or four ROM calls we want you to use. Don't touch anything else. The uh, the GCE folks for the Vectrex put just a big pile of library utilities for vector games in their uh, executive. And it does make, I mean, you can just say print a string and it'll do it. It'll put the string in the screen. How so, big is yeah. the ROM? Uh, 8K plus an 8K game. But, uh, it, you know, it's it's kind of fun. And one thing I've kind of wondered is if we couldn't use a Coco as a programming console for a Vectrex through the cartridge bridge, especially with Jim Brain doing all kind of cool DMA things through the cartridge port on the Coco. So, you know, there there's possibility oh, yeah. for some hybridization out there. Oh, it's a really interesting concept. Hmm. All right. Well, I, I I don't know about the Vetrex ROMs, but I'm pretty sure they don't have a temple of ROM. <laughs> That's something that we have that they don't. That would look good on a Vectrex, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. Um, well, certainly last, but absolutely not least. And I'm taking a chance that he hasn't uh, stepped away. But there's a man on this panel who likes breaking things. He also often gets very excited for the show. And if he's not listening right now, this buildup is going to go nowhere. Because that man's name, as David O'Connor is dropping a hint, that man's name is Jason. Is not Nick Marotta. We, we did already do intros with Nick. It is Mr. David Ladd. David Ladd, so are you? Are you out there? Has, uh, Why, yes, I am, sir. And, and how uh, is everybody today? We are good. We're really, really good. We had some trippy stuff going on with your intro there, David. We got some uh, female companions going on in the background. There. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds that like you. was not my audio. <laughs> cool. My audio. Uh, yeah, I just came well, on at the same time. No problem. Well, David, I mean, are you excited about today's show? What 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 how are you feeling? Um feeling? Well, I don't know. I've been laying in the same spot for like three days. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry to hear that, man. Oh, is, is, is that you just not feeling well? He's lying. It's one of those things, you know. You liar. You were so out sick. shopping earlier today, Dave. Don't be telling people you're laying in the same place for three days. You liar. <laughs> well, I have been laying continuously, no, but I have been laying in the same spot yeah. for three <laughs> You need to defrag your lying down. A b- bunch of fake news going on over here. Uh-huh. And that's where I'm laying right now. Well, D- David, do you have anything particular that we should um, be prepared for or, or want to highlight or any kind of floppy grease weasel um, discussions that uh, we should set aside time for? No, nah, I'm just stepping along the rails, you know, just keeping things sliding along. Would you, would you like to say anything about Nick Morente's pipes? 
Um, they're clawed. <laughs> yes, they they do leak. I I can tell you that. <laughs> Only for the first seven levels. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of those, speaking of Nick Marantz's leaky pipes, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and I have a. Uh, I, I will apologize in advance, but we, I am sorry to say that we have a, a video from um, Samuel Gimes. And we'll be right back nice. after these Uh-oh. messages. <laughs> oh, no. Hi, this is Eddie Zurbinski from beautiful Quebec City. Vous écoutez Coco Talk. As you're enjoying Coco Talk, we also want to remind you about the Coco Discord server. This is a place where people come to connect, to ask questions, to provide answers, to share information, and to socialize. So when you're done, why don't you head on over to the Coco Discord server and we'll continue the conversation there. The easy to remember link is discord.cocotalk.live. See you on Discord! Coco123 is the Glenside Color Computer Club community newsletter that's been in publication since 1985. While the Rainbow Magazine may be gone, it doesn't mean you still can't have a cool Coco periodical. Head on over to the Glenside Color Computer website at glensideccc.com and then click on the Documents link to view all the past issues of the Coco123 newsletter. Not only can you read all of the past and present issues, we'd also love to hear some submissions from you. So if you'd like to send an article, a column, uh, something to talk about, maybe even a program listing, send an email to glensideccc at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. The Coco World Map is a cool community resource where you can view coconuts from around the world. Head on over to map.cocotalk.live and see where your fellow coconutians happen to be living on the planet Earth. If you would like to submit yourself to be on the Coco Map, send an email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live and we look forward to seeing you on the Coco Map. Hey guys, it's Stevie Stroh, and if you've been watching Coco Talk for a while, hopefully you understand that everyone is welcome to join this show. You don't need an impressive resume to get on. You just need to enjoy the Coco and be willing to talk about it. There is no wrong way to Coco. There is no wrong way to be a fan of the Coco. There's no wrong way to be on Coco Talk. You just have to want to talk Coco. So if you would like to join us, then reach out to us on our Discord server, which is discord.cocotalk.live, or send an email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live, and let's get you on the show, and let's talk about the Coco. Hi, I'm Tim, and you're watching Coco Talk Live. And I'm playing Daggereth online like that idiot from the book. Right, can you can you dial back on the condescension there as you respond there? <laughs> it doesn't get old, that's for sure. Mm. Absolutely does not get old. Hey, 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 I resemble that remark. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, I believe we have a, a special video uh, performance here. Um, is there anything that we need to know about this, um, Nick Marotta? No, 
just watch it and hope and uh, it's game related. So I think you guys will enjoy it. It's game related and it's from Coco Thoughts and the panel. Um, feel free to to chime in during the video. And here we go, everybody. Samuel Gimes. Oh. Coco Thoughts is my recital Because that is the title I'll rock some rhymes I'm Samuel Gimes And thinking is so vital Here we go It's tricky to plumb the pipes To plumb the pipes And get them right It's tricky It's tricky, tricky, tricky It's tricky to plumb the pipes To plumb the pipes And get them right It's tricky Bartice <laughs> is 90 elbow Quick before the water flow Inside this house I wrench it out I know I can't work too slow The pipes are really greasy The solder makes me queasy I spend some time and plumb the pipes You know it's not that easy It's tricky to plumb the pipes To plumb the pipes and get them right It's tricky It's tricky, 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 tricky. It's tricky to plumb the pipes To plumb the pipes and get them right It's tricky <laughs> That is gold. Uh, That's the best that one yet. One of the best ones for sure. That's hilarious. Love it. That was fabulous. Yeah. I'm going to learn that one. Crikey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well said. Yeah, what do you think, Nick? Yes, Nick. That was the most heartfelt crikey I've heard yet. Crikey. Thank you, Samuel. That was really, really awesome. Thank you, Samuel. Nick. Marentis, did you could you ever imagine when you were coding away at that game? That's such ah uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, two out of three, have that pl- two out of three people say Gimes is great, and one one says Gimes sucks. So there you go. <laughs> ben Drake's is saying we need to have that. Oh, and a hack. 50-50. 50-50. Ben Drake. need to have that, uh, that version playing in the background while the game's running. <laughs> that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, ben Drake's saying it's very tricky to get that song out of my head now. So, <laughs> ah, nice. Thank you, nice Samuel. Gun. Earworm for the win. We're all going to be walking around today singing that song in our head. Um, Beastie Boys in my head all day now. <laughs> I, I never listened to Beastie Boys, so I have no clue what the song's about. It doesn't sound like anything to me. <laughs> it wasn't Beastie Boys. That was Run DMC. <laughs> it's about oh, you're whatever. right. Sorry. Yeah, it's yeah, you're right. The game, Ron. Well, whatever. It's about pipes. <laughs> just, just know it's about the game. Yeah, well. It's, it's just about pipes. Run, runny Smarties. Runny Dairy Milk Chocolate. <laughs> DMC. I don't know the original Sorry. song either, but it's still very funny. <laughs> the original you. premise of the song is basically how that when they when you become famous, people want to know you more than when you weren't famous and didn't have money. Mm. Yeah, oh, so that's Ferraris a double well. strike. So it gets on uh, Nick as well because he's all famous with his Ferraris now. Yep, exactly. <laughs> hey, look, like the idiot that rode his car off this morning. Oh, Samuel Gimes, yes, run DMC. Yes, run DMC as confirmed by yeah. Samuel Samuel Gimes. Well, speaking Could somebody, of... Uh, somebody kick Samuel Gimes out of the chat, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Samuel Gimes might, might get banned from the chat. Any idea what DMC stands for? Dairy uh, Milk Chocolate. Yes. Detroit Motor Company, <laughs> it's the, isn't it? It's the initials of uh, one of the gentlemen in the in the, in the rap group, Daryl McDaniels. Uh and Run is, uh, he's uh, actually a preacher now. He's a full-on uh, Baptist preacher. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. really? Yes. That's a turn for the books. That's a complete change. Yeah, excellent. Well, 
We have more to talk about about pipes, including the game, uh, the high score challenge, and all of the the uh, what's been going on over the past week with this exciting semi graphics game that we're so blessed to have. So we will um, let's roll the video. Roll the video. Thank you. All right, and welcome to another week of results. This week we played Pipes with 30 people submitting scores this week. Great week. Our Alan Murphy, 50. Coco Man, 1,000. Mark B, 1,200. Jim Rye, 1,700. David Ladd, 1,900. Brian Weasler, 3,050. Rogelio Perea, 3,450. Tom C, 3,550. Low Level, 3,650. Mikey, 3,750. I see a pattern. David Craker, 3,900. Sheila Craker, 5,950. Catlord, 8,200. Just Mike, 8,450. David O'Connor, 11,700. El Curtis Boyle, 12,000. Michael Klein, 12,450. 8 Bits in the Basement, 12,500. Paul Shoemaker, 12,500. Ben VR Drake, 16,500. Me, 16,850. Mr. Dave, 6309, 17,800. Buck Owens, 18,750. Brendan Donahue, 19,000. Welcome, Brendan. Canadian Retro Things, 21,550. Nathan, 24,200. Flutterball, 29,150. AC's 8-Bit Zone, 40,850. Sloopy, 46,650. And the number one score this week belongs to Frodo with 129,300. Way to go. Thank you for a fantastic turnout and for all the scores submitted. Congratulations, Frodo. That's an awesome score. Thank you. What level did you get up to? Uh, On that one, I think it was level 18 or something, but I got further in other games, but uh, with less score. You guys see my screen okay? Yes. Okay, so yes, we had a great turnout this week, and I said thank you to Brendan for joining us, but he wasn't the only new one we had this week. We also had uh, David's wife, and we had AC, uh, AC, uh, sorry, AC, I can't remember. Um, anyway, here's, this is the final list. We had a couple of entries submitted after the deadline, so I updated the list, and this will be the one that goes on the page. Uh, so we actually had 32 people play. Uh, we ended up with... Uh, we ended up with uh, Morgan and um, Robin uh, Donahue as well. And uh, li- li- uh, sorry, Curtis got a slightly higher score and Brennan got a slightly higher score. So this will be the one that goes on the uh, in the channel. But thank you very much for uh, 32 people. That's that's a record, uh, I do believe. Oh, cool. Very cool. And, so, and thanks uh, to all those people who bought a copy of the game. It's uh, it's, it's been really good. So anyway, I'm going to start off showing off some gameplay from, from Canadian, Re- Canadian Retro Things. Thank you, uh, Ken. 
Oh, so Nick, and Nick uh, while we're showing this, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the game, and then we'll talk to Frodo a little bit later. So what, what do you guys think of the game? I loved it. thought it was really, really addictive. Now, pretend Nick's not here. What do you think of the game? <laughs> I actually <laughs> did love it. I actually really did enjoy it. I had a lot of fun with it. I love those kind of puzzle games, like Frodo was saying. Yeah, it's really well done. It's a lot of fun. And uh, Me. <clears throat> so what color is your new Ferrari? <laughs> green. <laughs> Coco green. <laughs> the mouse works really well for this game. Yeah, mouse like, uh, was my choice too. I like the Black Beauty for it. I know somebody else posted didn't like the, the uh, joystick, but I like the Black Beauty for it. I thought it worked pretty I well. Had a, I put my, uh, I, I, the first, I had my uh, deluxe one set on auto centering and First time I loaded the game up, I thought, oh, this isn't going to work on auto-centering. So I switched off the auto-centering, and I actually really liked using the, the deluxe joysticks. They worked well for me. Yeah, I'm sure the deluxe would work well in free-floating mode, too, because it's pretty much the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there Thanks. you can see Canadian yeah. Retro Things did a, cro uh, did a crossover. That gives you that gives you nice points. Mm. One nice thing about it, too, is that this was a game that was you know under various names, Pipe Mania, et cetera, was on a variety of 8-bit, 16-bit systems, et cetera. But we never did have a Coco or Dragon version, as far as I know. So Nick's actually the first one to port this. I wonder when the first version of Pipes actually showed up. Maybe, was it after the Coco's lifespan? Oh, like I remember seeing it on Game Boy. It was earlier than that, wasn't it, Frodo? Yeah, it was uh, in the '80s. I do know that there was a Vic uh, Twenty game set uh, that was oh. a bit similar, but um, oh, you said Amiga, right? That, but at the Amiga, you had Pipe Mania. I don't know yeah. the year that was from, but that's the one I know best. It was also on Spectrum where I played it first, of course. But, uh, yeah, Amiga was 87, wasn't it? When yeah, it came the out? Amiga version is the one that's usually seen as the uh, standard version of this uh, kind of game. Yeah. I needed a lead pipe this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, man. Yeah, Canadian Retro Things is doing a pretty intricate little pattern here. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's one of the patterns uh, that's very useful. We'll, we'll show your video in a bit when we when uh, yeah. so first we'll just see if anybody else has any opinions any uh well, one thing i want to point out because this was pretty rare in coco one and two games is that it actually has multi-channel background music while you play yeah i mean we have a few other ones like grabber and crazy painter and a few others but that's a pretty rare thing because it's pretty cpu intensive as, as one, nick can attest one person in chat and this is a compliment nick they said i got messed up because i didn't realize you could actually start playing while the music was playing <laughs> they thought they had to wait for music to stop. So the fact that you had music playing while you could play the game at the same yeah. time, it's a real testament to the uh, programming. Yeah. You're always so they, some people were waiting for the uh, uh, the opening theme to stop before they started placing pieces. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could have had a, a full-on soundtrack uh, during play, but uh, I tend to not like games that have that. Um, it just gets a bit annoying if the song's completely repeating in the background. So I chose to go for a, a more of a rhythm in the background. It was just a, something a bit more, less, um, um, I don't know, get, get, it, it just sounds better, I reckon. But I, I do start I do start the game, or the level rather, I do start it with a song. And, yeah, you can start playing while that song's playing. But uh, yeah, and then it then stops and it waits for the counter to go to reach zero, and then it starts the uh, the rhythm in the background. 
maybe we're used to not being able to play while music is playing on the coco. I think we so. pretty well are in the coco. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the coco three, I mean, maybe not. But I love Draconian, but man, sitting so through that theme song every time is, is uh, painful. <laughs> yeah, it does. It gets painful. Because I think the other reason Nick didn't do a full soundtrack too is that he wanted this game to fit into sixteen K, which is a bit of an achievement too. So. Well, I could have because the the music is doesn't take up that much uh, memory. Actually, it's only the notes, and the notes don't take up a lot of time. Uh, I don't it's, I, I don't use samples or anything. It is actually generating notes. Okay, so a, you, <coughs> you can have a fairly long tune in there, but like I said, it just gets to be annoying. So, okay, I have a question for the chat room or the panel. Who uh, anybody recognize the opening theme? Um, yeah, Frogger, yeah. And anybody, yeah. I don't remember what the uh, anybody remember the uh, notice, uh, know what the name entry screen song is. <laughs> I didn't pay attention to that. No, um, it's it the bird dance, the chicken dance, bird dance, the chicken, of course. We called forward to songs here, yeah. And the, and the music <laughs> during the uh, the other piece of music is the Tarantella, it's Italian, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So yeah, see, uh, it's funny when Nick Nick put that song as a placeholder, uh, the Tarantella song, and I I laughed and I thought, oh, did you pick that because it's Italian? Because you know Italian plumber Mario, that sort of thing. Oh yeah, right. But he didn't. But he left it because he thought that was a good connection. Yeah, I had no idea. Another Italian song. So I told him the bird dance. So he put that in the chicken dance. So he put that in as the uh, name entry screen. So uh, yeah. thank you, Nick. Those are I love I love the music in the game, obviously. Yeah, no, <laughs> thank thanks for that. Um, um, as a, sorry, Nick, you go. Oh, so I was just going to say that the way I, I um, because I don't know how to read music and and all that. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm totally hopeless when it comes to music. What I did was I um I searched the web looking for MIDI files of different tunes. Um, and uh, that's where I found those those little songs. I thought they, they sound simple enough. I might be able to, to do that. And then I uh, ent- I loaded the uh, MIDI file into a MIDI editor program, which shows me all the notes in that MIDI file. So then I wrote my I wrote um, a program which basically allowed me to key in the notes in the same fashion into the um, into uh, Entered into the actual game itself, and that's how I got the uh, the tune in there. So it sounds right. Otherwise, I couldn't put together music if if it, if my life depended on it. <laughs> I almost hit the space bar on my computer to speed up the water, <laughs> but it won't do that. It's a video. <laughs> no, no. Did everyone use the speed up option? Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah, yep. yeah, yep. Especially um, kind of, go ahead. Yeah, right. Go. Go, go. No, no I, was just, I was just going to say, especially when uh, it was a short level and I said, uh, you know, I'm not doing it. It's not going anywhere useful. I'll just speed it up and go to the next one. Yeah. Yeah, if you can get a long and, run. And, of and, pipe, and, and, and maximize points too. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, the longer the pipe, if you can get a, a long pipe made, then quickly hit the speed up because you get more points. Yeah. You know, it, it, yeah, it's hard to predict because the, the pipes that appear at the top are random. So sometimes you're lucky, sometimes you're not. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the one issue I have with the game, uh, actually. Yeah, Nick. All right. Um, you have made it completely random, even at the start, which means that if you have a starting point that points towards the edge of the screen and is uh, one square away 
from it, there is a small chance, and it's happened to me twice in the past week, that you don't get any piece you can use until it's too late. Yeah, yeah, I have noticed uh, that. And yeah. uh, at the Amiga version, they um, solved that by making sure that the first six pieces are all six of the possible pieces in a random order, and then they go completely random. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, well. That's what they did there, <laughs> but that's what I noticed. I yeah, played it a no. lot, as you may have noticed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just that, was the say, one, that was the one issue I had with the whole game. I just want to say a quick thank you to Canadian Retro Things for his video footage, and now we're watching Frodo's video footage. So go ahead, Frodo, and... And now you're talk, watching the master. Not talk, <laughs> yeah. talk to get talk about your skills with a Z or a Z. This is your bragging well, time. Go. Yeah, I basically, <laughs> basically, I go for a standard thing. You see it in this level. I uh, basically go for the four corners. Try to uh, get across there with uh, not always completing the corner, but try to get as many crossings as possible in there. Um, and sometimes you yeah, have to uh, zigzag a bit. But you will notice at some point, I probably at about this point, I will uh, hit the space and the water will go faster because as soon as I have the top line complete there, because, well, whatever you may get after that is double score. You also will see that I do a lot of um, uh, replacing pieces, circulating pieces, because, well, um, even if you uh, it costs you 50 points per time that you circulate a piece, if you get a crossing complete, it's 500 plus whatever other parts you have in there. So it's worth doing a lot of uh, replacement that way as long as you can get extra crossings in. Yeah. Plus, as you see, I filled the screen as much as possible. This is the Wow. First yeah, that's yeah. impressive. Um, yeah, I think usually uh, if I go for the first three, four levels, I score about 10,000 uh, points per level. Although the maximum I had on the one one time on the first level was twenty thousand two hundred, uh, just by yeah making as many crossings as possible. That's that's the whole trick. And even uh, even if as I said, it if you take out pieces, replace pieces, it's it's worth it because yeah you score so much more for the crossings. That's, that's, a, that's a good strategy. I never even mm. thought of doing the corners first. That's yeah, I always try to build it from where it starts. Yeah, that is smart. Mm -hmm. I know, but I try to do from the start that I get at least five or six long. But start with those corners so I know can I can build to there. And yeah, you see what happens. Uh, you get quite long lines that way. It's Are you against using cross pieces just as straight throughs? Like, Because you can use cross um, pieces as straight I through. use them if I uh, have no other option. Once again, you see here that I start with making uh, a small... Uh, nearly O-shape, where I just need to put a cross piece in later. That's already a quick start. And yeah, there's a cross piece coming, so I will put that in. With that, I know, okay, now I can start with the corners, because I have some time. This game is thankfully not as quick as the uh, Amiga version with uh, starting the water. So I have time for that. So you pretty much always do the corners, as, or try, I try to? Yeah, unless uh, it's absolutely not possible, or if it's a weird setup with uh, the blocking part, etc. But usually I go for the corners, yeah. Wow. I never even thought of that. <laughs> so how come you, yes, so why don't you post that in the Game On Challenge board for us? And for, that's kind of mean to withhold that info. <laughs> 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 I'm teasing. You guys, you guys can post or not post whatever you like. It's a... It's a... I 
I don't know what other people do. I know uh, other people who are very good at have different tactics, but it's just my tactic, and yeah, it worked for me. It's good. You know I'm teasing you, right? Obviously, it worked I for know. you. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, this is impressive. You're really good at this. I reckon. I, so I, I didn't watch the video ahead of time. I wanted to be surprised with everybody, and this is, uh, this is really cool. Is this video you know, on Discord anywhere? Yes, uh, it's in the game on channel. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah, I might and grab yeah, a copy because it's, it's, it's on my YouTube channel, so you can. Uh, All right, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Frodo, didn't mean to step on you there. Not knowing okay. the back, no worries. Not knowing the backstory, I would have thought that was actually a demo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe maybe that's it how fast it is. <laughs> I, I have a question for Nick here on on the game. Here, did you get anywhere near as score as high as Frodo did? No, no. Um, Nick, you didn't even play this. You I didn't, I didn't even know. Yeah, that, that's the thing with me. I, I write these games, but I, I, I rarely play them. So I just get more fun out of writing them. So it's good to see other people playing it so I can see what the game's actually able to do. Well, <laughs> thanks, thanks for the game, Nick, but you're also on the wall of shame. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> How did By you the find way, the, uh, the, uh, the, the mouse or joystick control, uh, Frodo? Uh, the mouse was pretty good, although the mouse I was using uh, stinks, but that, uh, I just have a cheap mouse uh, I have connected to my mister. But yeah, it's perfectly playable with mouse. I tried with uh, the analog stick on my uh, uh, 8-bit do, but that's just too short to get uh, precise placement. Right. But with the mouse, it's perfectly playable. Right. Uh, by the way, there's one other thing regarding the mouse. Uh, when yep. you start the game, you normally get the question, do you want uh, RTB or CMP yep. uh, after you first hit a key? That doesn't happen if you happen to accidentally hit the mouse button first, and it goes directly to CMP mode. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll have to check that. Yep. Okay. I noticed that a few times. Yeah. You might do have version, a joystick button too, I wonder. Version 1.2 coming up. <laughs> well, yeah, because the fire button interferes with the row of keys. keys yeah, it does. Yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I noticed that. I thought I might as well bring it up. It probably does that with the joystick as well. Quite probably. That's yeah, when, it probably when does. Before the show, does. before the show, when I was having something to eat, I sat down and I saw your, this video posted in uh, Discord and I watched it while I was having something to eat and then come back out here literally a few minutes before the show and thought, oh, I'm going to try all these little things. And, you know, because I hadn't practiced it, I, was, I wasn't anywhere near as good at it as what you are, but I could see the merit in the, in the, um, in the methods. And it was, uh, yeah, it was inspiring. One that thing you great. did, Nick, that I love is you only responded, you only started a game with a joystick that would actually let you play the game. Because I've had other, seen other games where it'll start with any joystick button, but only listen to a particular joystick. Yeah, oh, that's nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. That can be annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't have, you since, don't have we're joystick, since we're talking about joystick mm -hmm. buttons, oh yeah, then you change to the right joystick on the Joey, and you're all set. Yep. It's colorful. I mean, that yeah, was I, I really that was one of my intention. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, it works really well. It's, that uh, was one that of was one of my versions. intentions. Yeah, one of my that was one of my intentions to get the color back into the color computer. <laughs> but it looks really <laughs> fantastic on the CMP8. It's it really looks. Yeah, good it on does. That. Mm. In RGB on uh, on uh, on my RGB it looks. RGB, good. yeah. So Frodo, you'd mentioned before the Amiga version runs a fair bit faster. Now you've also played some of the other eight bit ports from the time. How does how does Nix compare with the other eight bits? 
Uh, it's been a long time since I played them, but um, it's similar to the Spectrum version I played, I think. But I would have to check, because that's been a few years before since I did that. The Amiga version I actually played uh, two, three months ago, because then it was a high score challenge again uh, at uh, Amiga's uh, channel. I am a little bit better at Amiga's ver- Amiga version, but that's because I'm more used to that one. And I have a better mouse uh, when I was playing that one. But, so you're saying uh, you're you're not as good as you could be on this one yet, and yet you kicked all of our asses. This is going to sound really bad, but I know I can make uh, over 200k in this. Yeah, well, really I want to see that. Make a video of it. I want to watch it because I really enjoy watching your video. <laughs> as much as I watch enjoy, enjoy playing the game, to be honest. <laughs> hey, Amigos Retro Gaming is here in chat. Hey, welcome. Uh, 8 bits and oh, we're not done yet for it. I'm just going to talk about chat for a couple mm-hmm. seconds. Perfect. 8-Bit Basement said the game was worth it. Mm-hmm. And Drake said it was a great game in the One More Go department. Uh, he also, he uh, Ben Drake thought it was great. You could start playing while the music was playing. And uh, somebody questioned whether the pieces were actually random or if they withheld the piece you needed. <laughs> it's random <laughs> it's very random that's clear <laughs> so Nick or Andy's, I have another question now after, you know that Frodo's mentioned he can get at least 200k sure do you have anything happening if you wrap it to a million uh, not really just yeah it's just got those six digits so hopefully it doesn't reach that far <laughs> that's a challenge that's a yeah, challenge there you go I did, Here we go. Other, I did it to other programmers before, so that's a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering if it'll wrap over to zeros, or will it actually crash, or will it? It'll, 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 wrap, it'll wrap over. It'll wrap over. Okay. Oh, somebody also yeah. enjoyed the water effect. I think that might have been Ben as well. Ben was Ben's uh, very active in chat. Thank you, Ben. It will uh, start random doors and bank vaults will start opening, you know, like with a Y2K bug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, world will end. <laughs> oh, don't talk to me about that time. I sat through that uh, when I was a unit. Divide by zero so. error. <laughs> yeah. I think it also designs a new trash can for Nitrous 9 if you wrap a million too. So. <laughs> it was Retro Games is congratulating you, Frodo. Now, <laughs> Mr. You. Dave 6809 has actually put this onto a rum cartridge. So yeah, I saw that, yeah, oh. nice. Yeah, so yeah, I, I've given him my blessing if he wants to be able to make these cartridges available for other people to put their <laughs> legit copies <laughs> of pipes on. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, this would be a nice little cartridge game, I guess. Yeah, it works good on cartridge, and uh, yeah. you know, if you want to rage quit, like bang, you can just reset it and okay, play again. <laughs> perfect, <laughs> so perfect for Stevie. <laughs> one way piece. <laughs> so, so Nick, if if, you're, if if you guys are putting it on cartridge, are you going to kick in the double speed then too, or just leave it the way it is? I'll leave it the way it is. Yeah, it's fast enough. Probably a good speed the way it is. Oh, yeah, you say kicking the double speed, I'll get no hope. <laughs> well, so I was wondering, like like Frodo said, the Amiga version is a fair bit faster. So for you know a more legitimate. Well, one of, one of the things when you're programming games, I guess, is it it's how hard do you make it? Because you've got to look at the market. You know if most people are not going to be able to, you know, get that high in the game, then you sort of lock out so many people not seeing the later levels. So you don't want to be, you don't want to make too it hard, too yeah. hard. You can't assume that everyone's at, at Frodo's level. So you have to pick a point more in between. So Frodo is an exception. He's very good. 
Well, so are you saying the Amiga version is too hard? Because I think you've played the Amiga version too, haven't you? I have. It's a little bit harder. Um, but well, look oh, how well. intricate this one is. I, I was under the impression that the Amiga was 16-bit, not 8-bit. Well, it, it is. is. But it there's is. also it Spectrum is. versions and some other 8-bit versions yeah, of the same yeah. game yeah. too. Yeah. So. Jeez, I can't even follow this. Oh, there it goes. Wow, okay. Our <laughs> 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 moments when, I, when I'm building these kind of things, I uh, do use my finger to follow. Okay, where do I get? Oh, yeah, there I need one uh, corner. Sometimes <laughs> I do, but thankfully with this version, you do have time for that. Now, the uh, the grid is the same as the Amiga. It's a, uh, what, 10 by 7 or 8 grid? Yeah, so I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I kept the grid uh, the same size. Yeah, you had enough, just enough space on the screen for that, huh? Just, yeah, you have to squeeze yeah, it I in saw that. into the semi graphics. You, you use the screen perfectly. Um, yeah. I, don't I, I have one last you... question, Frodo, too. Um, have you ever filled the entire maze up? Uh, no, I haven't yet. <laughs> I, was wondering, I was wondering if you put in a bonus for that, because uh, uh, the Amiga does have that. Yeah, I know. A... Usually, usually it's not worth it because you have to do too many replacements then. Yeah, that's why I never do. Um, the Amiga has another bonus too, which you don't have, but that's okay. Yeah, the Amiga has a bonus if you make, I think it's five uh, crossings. It is five, five you get, crossings. Uh, yeah. You get, uh, if it's four crossings, five thousand or five crossings, four thousand. Yeah, but you get an extra yeah. bonus that way. But uh, you don't have. Well, that I never bonus. thought anyone. Okay. I never thought anyone would be as good as you. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Thank you. The, the original you. also has the original also has um, in the later levels where you can exit the the, the grid area and like there'll be yeah. there'll be an opening somewhere so you can exit one yeah. side of the screen and re-enter on the other. Yeah, I was thinking of doing that, yeah. but then I thought, oh, you know. <laughs> No one will ever get that far, surely. Yeah. <laughs> and within a week, we got a guy in shooting distance already. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> in, the, in, the Amiga version, I reached, in the Amiga version, I reached level 32. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the Amiga version also has bonus levels, but I know that wouldn't fit in with uh, the RAM. Uh, it's a little bit tight, yeah. Yeah, because the bonus versions, you just uh, get some random pipes going uh, back and forth on top, and you drop one and try to make uh, lines that way. Which you can use your life, but uh, well, maybe, I didn't miss it. Maybe I need a new, uh, to do an update on this in you know in, in a couple of years' time. Call it the um, the Frodo version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Frodo pipes. advanced version. Pipes. Lord of the pipes. <laughs> Lord of the pipes. pipes. The Frodo version. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you can have a digitized picture of Frodo's face there, right as it fires up the, the game. <laughs> those precious pipes those precious pipes I hated having to replace <laughs> like you, you don't leave any extra of... parts around no. you you, it, you don't have any extra parts um, in this game not many um, sometimes I do leave one or two but uh, usually I just play somewhere something that I can't use but I know that I will be using that spot because that's only 50 points but if I leave a point uh, part it's 100 points so I'd rather replace it and leave an extra. Like, how far ahead are you planning? Uh, quite far. Quite far by the looks of it. Um, <laughs> Let me guess I you're start, good at chess. As I said, I start with those corners, so, yeah. Yeah. I play very, quite very far. good. You're on a different, said, uh, different level. Those games are my thing, so, yeah. 
Uh, I have to agree with David O'Connor here. This is actually more fascinating to watch you do really well than watch me play poorly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You saw, I also uh, did, uh, what was it, Uh, Tetris, another game where, yeah, similar thing. eh? You you get time to do puzzles, you combine stuff, and yeah, and also planning ahead. I like that kind of stuff. Which game? Tetris 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 is another one. Yeah, that's another one of my favorites. I love that game. Tetris I like and I'm pretty good at. This one I'm, yeah. I like, it, but I'm not so good at. Well, I, I was actually thinking of doing a Tetris before I decided on this. Mm-hmm. My idea yeah. was to do a Tetris game, but then I thought, ah, oh, pipes. Um, yeah, there is already a Tetris, of course, an official. Well, there is. One. Yeah, that's yeah. right. There was quite a few, actually. Yeah. <laughs> the Coco's so probably have a lot of Tetris. Yeah. 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 I'm glad and you picked this, this one, one, too, because it's, it's, it's new for the Coco. So. It's new for the Coco, yeah. Yep. I yeah, love it. Move. It's, it's a great game. Well done. Very well done. Yeah, this is the first time I've ever... I, I didn't realise it was a, a port from other games, actually. I, I thought it was... Yeah, I didn't... I, I've never played it in the past, so it was a completely new game to me, even just to see it. And that was pretty cool. <laughs> yep. Interesting enough, the, the first time I tried this game, I got some good points the first screen. Then I lost points. Your counter can ah, go yes. down. Yep. Yeah. Um, I noticed that uh, the lowest score that uh, ended was 50. You can actually <laughs> uh, get a, a zero score, even though you finish the first level. Yes. And it w- and, but you can't put in your high score. It won't let you put it in the high score. It though. won't let you put in the high score, but you can actually finish with a zero score, even though you finish uh, the first yeah. level. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know why, yeah, right, David? They're taking, they're taking away pieces, like points for pieces left over. Yeah. 50 points yeah. if you uh, replace a piece, 100 if you left one piece at the end. Yeah. 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 Well, the thing is, really, the, the, yeah, the high score only lets you put in your high score if you have a score that's beaten all the other scores. And the yeah. high score table starts with everything at zero. So exactly. if you get zero, you haven't beaten any scores on the high score table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. I always hate when uh, you have those uh, blocks uh, collected together there, so because that means uh, my standard <laughs> method doesn't work, as you can see. So I have to go yeah. for a bit of a different uh, route. Plus, I try to get those uh, one-directional parts in, because uh, well, once again, five hundred points a piece. Yeah, a lot of points. Up. Yeah, yeah. I believe and on the- Canadian Retro Things video, he said you have to go through those, but that's not true. You, you don't, don't have, have to. to. The only no. thing you have to go to is an exit piece from level eight on. You have to yeah. exit there. And that's what you will see uh, if you happen to watch through the end of the video, level eight. I blundered here because I got a phone call, got distracted. Here, I'll um, fast forward a little bit. There is that <laughs> the, the purple block there? There's the exit. Yeah, that's where you have to end. Oh, I saw that once. Yeah, right. Yeah. I saw and, that uh, once. Yeah, that's a few weeks <laughs> level eight. And you still have to fill so many pieces on. before you get there, too. It's not like you just make a quick little pipe there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I always, yeah, I always try to make as long as pipe anyway. But yeah, you need in this case twelve uh, pipes. So, yeah, the the uh, screen setup is totally random as well. It randomizes where it's going to put all the all the uh, objects uh, on the screen. Yes. Um, so I it is random. That. It's not preset or anything. Yeah, that's actually that's, um, a little bit different from the Amiga because there is a yeah. bit less randomness in the Amiga version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I that prerequisite for the number of pieces you have to put in, that's continuous pieces, isn't it, where the water flows through? 
not yeah. just yes. pieces yeah. placed, yes. placed yes. randomly on the screen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. order has keep, to flow yeah. that much. Yeah. Keep in yeah. mind yeah. that uh, if you do a crossing, that counts as two pieces, so you can actually win a bit with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll look at the look at the inventory screen if it's there. Oh, it's not. No, I quit it at uh, game over. Yeah. The name entry screen is pretty cool too. Yeah. Yes, it is. Game over, man. <laughs> I saw man, it a lot. Chicken dance I, comes I tested in. the game over screen extensively. It works very well. Uh, I saw and, it a uh, lot too. <laughs> <laughs> Although I must admit, um, later on, after the first day or so, I played quite a lot. But uh, whenever, if in the first three levels I scored less than uh, twenty-five thousand total, I just escaped and started again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I knew I could do better than that. <laughs> That's yeah, like I was sure. doing a Phantom Slayer last week because if I got a bad set of mazes, I just died on purpose and then you know, yeah, waited for better. Sometimes you know, it's just not worth it because you know you can do better. It's uh, yeah. Not not sure about the chicken dance. I spent 10 <laughs> years as a wedding DJ and I just <laughs> oh, can't God. do it anymore. <laughs> That's an incentive, uh, Chad, so that you play longer without dying so you don't have to hear it as often. So it's, uh... <laughs> Yeah, true. <laughs> Sorry, Chad. Oh, yeah, I can't remember if I suggested that or not, but I, I was happy to hear the Italian songs and anyway, it was funny. <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna have the chicken song in minute. <laughs> uh, talk about earworms. <laughs> well, there's the other earworm you can listen to later, which is uh, uh, Scrimes' video. That's right. Yeah. That's a better earworm. Well, <laughs> hey. let's leave that for after dark. <laughs> All right. Anybody else have anything you want to talk about the game? I just gonna say it's a really good game. It's, it's, I'm glad we got this this particular port to the to the Coco since this is a game we did not have a port of before. Mm. Oh, did I ask you how long it took Sorry. you to write this? What was it? Uh, was it two three months? Yeah, just over two months, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's one of your fastest ones. Pretty much it, right. It, it was, right. yeah. I guess it, one of the good things about programming in this semi graphics Coco one and two mode. Is that the program? Everything's it is a bit simpler. the The code size is not can't be as big. The graphics are low, you know, low res and easier to work with. It really felt like more like my old my original TRS eighty model one games where it was low res back then. So it it's it's easier and quicker to develop on. Plus, I I didn't I didn't uh, slow myself down by setting up a blog page and you know, having all this extra... This, yeah, continual updates. And yeah, I just yeah. concentrated on the game. I wanted to... I did Rally SG, then I thought, well, if I concentrate and just see how quickly I can just pump out one more. So uh, I went hell for, for leather there on that one and finished that fairly quickly. So here's a plug for your website, Nick. Want to talk, uh, yeah. plug your game again? Uh, the options for getting it? Uh, yeah, well, Pipes, it's, it's still available. Uh, and you can buy it for uh, as a digital download, eight dollars, <laughs> or uh, if you want the CD, uh, eighteen. And I I decided to include the uh, Rally SG, which is the same Rally SG I had before, but I've included a uh, a map editor, so you can actually edit the um, the tracks in the game. Oh, and a couple of. I was just going to say, for the, with that map editor for Rally SG, for those of I, I purchased the um, the online download, 
can we give you a few extra bucks and get a copy of that? Oh, look, um, look, map I, if someone wants the editor, I'll I'll send it to you. That's all right. So I'll I'll send it to you, Dave. Oh, awesome! Cheers. No, that'll be yeah, excellent. I actually originally bought the digital version, but within the minutes, I also ordered the CD version, so I got two co- two uh, download links actually. All right, <laughs> but, uh, because I want I wanted to, I wanted the CD uh, after all. Uh, yeah, yeah, ads yeah. And such. yeah. So and yeah, you got some extra money for me. <laughs> yeah, I will mention too, like the the, the, the editor. I will mention too that the, both Rally SG and Pipes, of course, work on the Dragons as well. There is a, that hardware discrepancy because of the way they redid the H-Sync uh, so that it doesn't function properly when it's actually in the V-Blank. But uh, Paris Surratt has actually posted a little bit of a hardware thing. You can add a switch to go between the normal mode or switch it back to the way the Dragon 32 and the Coco work. So you can actually fix it so the music does play properly on Dragon 64. And from my understanding, it's not that hard of a hardware mod. Just for any of you who, and, and, if and that's those out there on- that have PAL six, Dragon 64s. Yeah, it's only on the uh, UK uh, Dragon 64. It, it should it should work fine on a uh, a Tano American Dragon sixty four. Yeah, and it, and it works fine on Dragon thirty two as well. Yeah, yeah. Is my screen still sharing? Yep. Oh, uh, yes. yep. Yep. Oh, oh, I'm not seeing it on the live stream. Okay, never okay. Live streams, I'm not live. Yes. So yeah, anybody who gets the map editor, the instructions are on the website. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. that's right. Yeah. Mm. Now, is anybody actually who's bought in the, the 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 CD pack? Has anybody actually made any new mazes for uh, Rallis G? Um, I, I assume people are just receiving the CDs about now, because I was looking at the um, the logs for the uh, manufacturer, and they've been sending sending me out all these emails this week saying uh, item shipped, item shipped. So I I assume most people will be starting to get the CDs about now. Okay, so the people that purchased the CD, you did, you sent pipes ahead of time, but you didn't send the rally. Yeah, SDI. yeah, everyone got the digital download anyway, so that they they get the game. But the CD, yeah, it's it has. Okay, to so be you, you weren't sending back. the SG ed- or the rally SG editor. No, no, not yet. Okay. I thought I'll you know make that a CD mm-hmm. thing, but yeah, anyone who wants the uh, rally SG, who has already bought the rally SG, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I can <laughs> I can send it to you. Yeah, where's the button? You're not. You'll send them the Alice S. Jenner. Yeah, pick. yeah. It's no, no. Well, that's nice of you. Thank you, man. Yeah, cool. The Aussie spirit. <laughs> he felt guilty after his fourth Ferrari. That's all. Really <laughs> <laughs> so now I've got the dilemma. I've got to buy a bigger shoebox. <laughs> I mean, I know your head's swelling from all these sales, but not your feet. So. Here first, folks. His next game is shoebox dilemma. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. No, it's, called, it, it's it's no. The next game is going to be called Poops, and it's the follow-up to Pipes, and you poop in the shoebox. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't well, think there's anything else I'd want to talk about in the uh, on th- on that website. Okay. So are okay. we uh, right. ready to move on? Yeah. Yep. Do we, do we want on. to do, Nick? Do we want to stay on Pipes just so we can play the um, the the Coco Thoughts video again? And come back oh. with game on news. <laughs> well, do it's you want me to, to, to next, announce next, the, the next game challenge? of the week? Yeah, I it's was going to say, you. do you want to announce the game of the week when we come back for in the game on section? Why? Or you can announce it now. I was going <laughs> to play I've the pipe. I've never done that before. <laughs> I, yeah, this, I reckon this, this is the normal way we do okay, things. Do, do it do the way you're used to. What I is, reckon play what that song again. Okay, we will. 
All right. Okay. So, next, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, it is November. Some of you may know what November is. Some of you may not. For those it's the eleventh month of the year. For those of you who do, we're doing a little special series for the next three weeks. And we're starting this week off with the game that I have been waiting for. (laughs) You guys may know what it is. Living under a rock. Telewriter 64. (laughs) The game next week. Can anybody guess what this game is? I can't. Telemax. I can't. Buzzard bite. The game of the week this week, uh, <laughs> this, this week is buzzer bait. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Yay, <laughs> Lancer bait. And just for those of you who don't know about the bit of a, you know, the challenge between you know, the various versions of Joust on the Coco. So basically November is Joust month is what we're doing on, on Game On. And it's something Nick and I talked about months ago because, of course, we've had this friendly rivalry over which, which version's better. So we're going to have three Joust clones in a row. So this week is <laughs> buzzer bait and then... That's because it's closest to Nick's birthday. Yeah. And that's his favorite version. Then we'll have the middle one, which will be Pegasus and the Phantom Riders. And then we'll break up the Joust a little bit. Pegasus is a different game, so I thought maybe break it up with, Pe- with Pegasus because it's a similar concept, a different game. So we'll Yeah, it's a little bit it different. And then the last one, which is near my birthday, is Lancer. So, so that would then, go fortuitously as well. And then at the very end of all three there, we'll kind of maybe have a voting poll or something <clears throat> set up on Facebook so that everybody, after seeing and playing them all throughout the three challenges... Can then you know once in a while for decide as as a community which one is the funnest game to play. Mm-hmm. So I hope you guys will take part in that. Uh, this we won't do back to back clones like this uh, as a regular thing, but we just thought it'd be fun to do uh, for this because of the rivalry that Curtis and I have. So <laughs> hopefully you guys will uh, will take part in, in the three weeks, and uh, you can take and part in any, any of the weeks. So you disappointed want. If, if if it turns out to be Pegasus, that's all I got to say. If Go you miss a week, you can <laughs> still take part. Don't worry about taking part in, in every week. We're not uh, we're not. It's not uh, you know a one event thing, but it's sort of just a special little uh, quick series. So so all Nick. Right. Your score going to be way up at the top. You know what? I'm not saying a thing because um, <laughs> I saw Frodo playing games, and we have Buck Owens, who's really good. We have a few people who are who are very very good. We have Curtis. So you know what? I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put my money where my mouth is yet. I saw Scott Cooper in chat say, "I think I know who will get first place on this one." I'm also, not. I know 100 sure who's not gonna get first place. That's me. I'm not promising, <laughs> man. I it ain't know. over till it's over. Too many gamers <laughs> here, man. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not, uh, I could imagine uh, Steve Buck Owens. That'd be uh, embarrassing if I was yeah. cocky and didn't, didn't win. You know, and, I, and, <laughs> yeah. I, and I will not cheat. I could. I could cheat, but I promise I will not. I will not doctor the spreadsheet. So. <laughs> I run an honest game here. Well, you remember there's, Nick, there's photographic evidence too in the Discord, so it's harder to cheat. Yes. Well, I could Photoshop maybe if I really wanted to. But no. uh, Nick Morenis has been such a horrible influence on you. Well, one question to... here, one question regarding now that we've revealed three weeks in a row's worth of games, what's, I mean, apart from honesty, what's to stop somebody playing next week's game this week as well to try and get a really good top score? Nothing to have extra time to get a better score. Well, I mean, to be fun, honest, if, if 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 there's regular games you play on your own, and we happen to pick a game on challenge, and you've been practicing for weeks playing it regularly anyway, so it doesn't really make much of a difference. Exactly. If you want to cheat yeah, when this game, this contest, then you know that's that's. Well, I don't even view it as cheating. Like I, I play Coco games that are not the game on challenge, believe it or not. So you know, if that game happens to come up, and I'm I've been playing it all you know the last month or whatever, then it uh, I'll, I'll obviously be a bit better at it. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, it never has time. It's, this is just for fun anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't so much that that I was getting. It was more that if, like, during this week, if next week's game is going to be Lancet and then somebody plays that this yeah. week and takes and takes takes screen grabs of their, <sighs> their scores. Okay, well, um, again, it's for fun. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. lawsuit. It's the, just for it, fun, dude. There will be. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying for one minute I'm going to do that. I'm just, I was no. just, it was just a what if. I was just playing devil's advocate. That's all. Please. Please. To be honest, it doesn't really matter on the score. We want people to enjoy playing games that they exactly. either haven't played in a long time or have never played before, like pipes. Yeah, that's cool. Just that's cool. Yeah. Since in this case, everyone knows this, so everyone could do that. So. Yeah. yeah, good point. Good point. So it's still yeah. an evil, even playing field. Exactly. Yeah. This is one of the few things where a participation trophy actually is a good thing. Yeah. This is just for fun. This yeah. is just for the, for yeah. the war. The, the war. Yes. Yeah, I'll tell you, if, if, if I was going to be doing it for, for, for always winning and getting the top score, I would not even start. I'm doing this because I love doing it. It's exactly. Fun. So it's just yeah. for fun. Yeah. So we're going to yeah. take buzzard bait screenshots this week. Yes. Just, just, <laughs> just to let you know, I've been practicing on Predator, so I'm going to be ready. Uh, you, yeah, good, good thing. Yeah, you should talk a, a lot. You've already really? won. It. Yeah, nobody else really participated in that one. <laughs> I think the best way to win is not to play. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really, it's the only way to win, way to win, according to some uh, games and films. <laughs> all right, guys. So thank you, Rob. Thank you, all the participants. It was a 30, 32 people after the deadline. So that was a, a really good score. A good testament to you there, Nick. People love your game. And please buy it. It's really good. And uh, we will see you next week. Yes. And we've got a couple more. We're not quite done with Nick's pipes just yet. I'll stop sharing. <laughs> uh, let me take back over here. And hold on. What is uh, is, um, is November um, Everybody Grower Mustache Month, is it? I've noticed um, Curtis and Nick and a few others. Have no, I just didn't shave the... very well this morning. <laughs> yes, actually, it is uh, Movember for uh, <laughs> Men's Cancer Awareness. And uh, it's to shave also No Shave problems. November. Yeah, I got to fix uh, the There are two stuff. different groups that do this for uh, Men's Cancer Awareness. Uh, oh, is that actually a thing? since 2000. Apparently, Ron DelVoe does that all year, though. <laughs> <laughs> I did it for a while, too, but then I, uh, I, I got the uh, irrits with my uh, itchingness at nighttime, and I shaved it all off. So, Well, let's uh, come back with some Game On news, if Curtis is prepared for that. And uh, we're going to throw it to uh, Samuel Gimes here to kind of take us uh, over into that. <laughs> direction so here we go coco thoughts is my recital because that is the title i'll rock some rhymes i'm samuel guy yeah, david we just cut it aside last minute and it's all tricky pump the pipes and get them right it's tricky it's tricky it's tricky it's tricky it's tricky you pump the pipes and get them right it's tricky 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 her cheeks is 90 elbow Quick before the water flow. Inside this house, I wrench it out. I know I can't work too slow. The pipes are really greasy. The solder makes me queasy. I'll spend some time to plumb the pipes. You know it's not that easy. It's tricky to plumb the pipes. To plumb the pipes and get them right. It's tricky. It's tricky, 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 tricky. It's tricky to plumb the pipes. To plumb the pipes and get them right. It's tricky.
Ladies and gentlemen, we're ready for Game On. Game On is brought to you today by Pipes, the latest game from Nick Morentes. Available now at nickmorentes.com. Just before I switch to the game on news, too, I, 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 I'm hoping, I don't know if he's watching right now, but I hope Chet Simpson pipes, pipes in, pardon the pun, because um, Chet's a huge uh, rap fan. In fact, if you've played his original Gold Runner 2000, you know, we had a lot of rap samples in the background while you were playing. And so he's, he's kind of like a, a rap expert. And I'd just love to see what his opinion of the Samuel Gimes video is. I reckon, I reckon he'd be rapped. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, on that one, we'll continue. Rap. Yep. <laughs> Okay, so let's do some. Oh, I can't share yet, so I have to wait. Okay, go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah, seen that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Phantom Slayer. Yeah, so I don't know if this was coincidence or if Cuthbert Dragon actually watches the show. I know we featured his videos before, but he actually did a, a video of, of uh, Phantom Slayer on on the dragon itself, and you can see beside of the dragon cup and the actual cassette case from the uh, UK microdeal version of Phantom Slayer, um, which is actually much fancier than the one that was sold in the US from Med Systems because I have that one. It's pretty boring. So you can catch up on a little bit more dragon. So that was our featured game last week too. So. Well, so Henry Reitfeldt uh, took a Coco port of Super Kid, which is a uh, another dragon game um, with some digitized speech and multi-voice music and all kinds of things in it. And it looks like a pretty hard game. I think we we briefly mentioned it before, way, way back, um, when I think High Retro Game Lord or somebody was going through dragon games. So how many on the panel here are familiar with this game? I played it on the, on the um, SDC oh. image. Okay, for those that aren't, because like I said, it's it's a dragon game originally, I'll just play a little bit so you can kind of hear the music and the, the speech. For a, a Dragon 3264 Coco you know, 1 and 2 level game, it's pretty decent. You guys hear that? Mm-hmm. Maybe make it a little louder. No, it features like you know multiplane scrolling, speech synthesis. Oh, cool. Lots of quick dying. Twelve Bob Lucy. Anyway, Henry felt kind of liked the game, so he uh, brought it in and played it a bit there. Anyway, it's a cool game. I haven't played it too much myself. I don't think I even have it on the site yet, but uh, I do plan on catching that up once the next Nitrous Nine beta is out. Next one, I think uh, we'll let the uh, the author actually talk about this one, his latest uh, update on his Nostromo port, and uh, take it away, Mr. Murphy. <clears throat> oh, I should have checked the links and not been on today. Don't. Anyway, <laughs> um, so this month uh, and last month have both been pretty good to me for the game I'm porting, which is an uh, early survival horror game from a Japanese computer called the NEC PC 6001. Uh, Jim Gary ported it to the MC 10 a couple of years ago, twice. First time he ported it just from the GIF image that's playing right now on the screen. And then later he found the source code to the game uh, and was able to you know, update his MC 10 port. Um, a few years later, I came along with the Coco 2 and 3 and wanted to go ahead and try to make the same game available for those. And I've been working on that basically about the past year, starting with learning 6809 assembly and things. 
And uh, this month's update was basically along the lines of taking stock of where I'm at and breaking down all the different pieces, like what's on the screen right now, uh, all the different pieces of the game that I'm trying to put together for inputs, the video outputs, the audio pieces, some little miscellaneous bits, and then um, trying to just show kind of how far I've gotten, how much is left to go, because uh, I've had some questions and some comments come up about you know, the way that I've been blogging it kind of freeform along the way is kind of confusing about where I'm at. So there's a lot of stuff in here, but for example, the video section, I show examples of the different screens. I have four screens working now on three different video modes. I've got two more video modes that I'm looking to add, including the Coco VGA. Uh, Brendan Donahue had some interesting ideas on how to do that uh, fairly efficiently that I'm gonna give a try to. Um, I've got a high-res screen that I might be bringing in off of disc or SDC at some point that is the box art for the original game brought over into a, a Coco resolution. And that's what it looks like on the Coco itself. So it, it was trying to collect up kind of the last few months worth of work and just take stock of where I'm at and kind of show that, for example, here in the audio section, um, I've been working a lot in the last month or two on audio drivers and doing lots of little test codes and things like that to support a, a, a fairly large number of audio options on the Coco. And there are links there that go off to little example code for people that don't know how to program those individual cards or pieces. You can go and start looking at my horrible code that I've been figuring out as I go that, and, and just, you know, just start figuring out the same kinds of things if that seems interesting for, uh, for your game. So it's a learning opportunity for me and I'm trying to also kind of document it out in both code and somewhat in articles so that other people can pick up from it as they go. And I've had some good feedback about that along the way already. So it just kind of has spurred me to keep keep going and trying to do more of that as I go. So uh, September was mostly Septandy and buying lots of new toys. Um, and then October has been trying to start actually doing the test code with those toys. Cool. And I'm really down to the grind now. Uh, I've got enough video, enough audio. I've got input working. Um, I got joysticks for both the uh, Coco ports and the Coco PSG ports working. And uh, with that, I'm kind of now just to, to start finishing out the code itself and, and go through the game line by line uh, doing the actual translation. So a lot of people have been helping me along the way. I've kind of posted some shout outs to them in the various sections uh, that go on as well. Uh, but yeah, now you're down into the actual parts of the game that I broke down. It's a hybrid basic and Z80 uh, machine code game. And I've mapped out all the code in both, both parts and just have to start working through it. But, you know, lots of the pieces are already in place. It's now just assembling them into the actual playable thing. And the final piece of the update was an example screen of the Simi Graphics 4 mode. Um, and this works the same with Resolution Graphics graphic 6, which is P mode 4, or the Gimme's 16 color mode. Um, and the, there's all these chunks missing because you can actually move everything around. 
and it's actually wiping out those blocks as it's updating the positions of the of both of the characters on the screen. So it's starting to become a dynamic program. Very cool that you're doing things specific for Coco VGA as well. That's, uh... Yeah. I have to say, too, the fact that you're supporting quite a few, like not all because there's so many of them, but there are quite a few of the sound card options because some of the newer sound cards, aside from demos by the people that have made the cards in the first place, there isn't that much software for them. So having a game that is actually cross-sound card platforms um, will you know, enable people that have the these goals. cards to actually use them. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that's kind of one of the goals is that I want to know how to use them. Uh, I bought them, and, and I want to... I want to have them make noise. I have all kinds of different music files to convert between them and things like that. <clears throat> and I have found as I go that there is a lot more code and examples and information for most of them out there. It's just not all collected up in one place. And some of the programming information can be kind of scattered out or not very clear. So what I tried to do with my test code was have the exact same basic idea for each card, which is to play the 12 note scale starting at middle C. So here on this card, you set it up in the multiplexer, you turn the sound enable on and off, you generate the notes this way for that particular card. And then for each card, you can see here's the 12 note scale. <clears throat> I posted some of that in the uh, Coco Discord in the various card channels that are there. And I've also linked them on this, uh, on this uh, blog entry as well. So you can kind of start picking them up you know so if there's a, a, a device that you're not familiar with that you can get access through an emulator uh, if you don't even have it you can at least start looking at how to code it and um, one of the pieces that came up real in the last month that was really nice was uh, Tim Lindner was able to take some of the some of the notes you know you heard me talking back and forth and we got off into a side discussion about how some of these cards work and he was able to go ahead and bring those into MAME and so MAME itself will have a few more cards emulatable here in the near future as it goes through the process to submit and merge and do all that kind of thing with MAME so there's um you know so along the way hey. we're trying to just shovel out some other stuff and make it go yeah and that way people that you know don't have a particular sound card if they want to write a game that's multi sound card platform like you are they can test it on mame even if they don't have the card itself and, and still right. test it you know on whatever they do have so you're supporting the opl3 chip in the mega mini mpi uh, no, that one's scratched out because I don't have a Mega Mini MPI and I don't have a, an emulator that I can even test code in. I, I mentioned ah, that okay. in my update, that that's the one that got away. Yeah, um, yeah right. and that, that, that one yeah. sells out so quickly every time Ed makes a batch. So, But, yeah, you, are supporting the August, but you are supporting the Orchestra 90cc, yeah? All the different versions of it, yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. And we found one called the Stereo Pack was also yep. an orchestra 90 clone so that's uh that was one i wasn't familiar with before i started on in on all this that's by speech <laughs> systems that when they brought out the composer back in the early 80s like 82 83 that was the very first stereo pack we had for the coco yep and then stereo pack is an orchestra 90 clone but the stereo composer is the 8-bit dax but with the pia chip in front of it so it's a lot of this has been for me to just learn and catch up on some of that stuff and then try to share it out as i know it and that also led to, um, with this, I've taken the, the joystick input piece that I came up with, which I'm not using the Coco ROM code and I'm not using anyone else's code 
that I'm familiar with in the Coco community, I found yet another way to go around the joystick. And so I, I'm going to share that out uh, through a Coco123 article that I've submitted as well. So, uh, you know, trying to trying to share out everything as I figure it out, because hopefully then it gets documented out places and then I can remember it next time when I go looking for it again. Yeah. And then other people can share that too. And, and, you know, instead of having to like discover everything on their own, like you've been doing here, they can just look up your reference and program for that sound card or joystick board or whatever it is. Cool. Cool. So definitely keep us posted on that one. I don't know. Do you have a timeline for it? Are you just kind of doing it as you get time? Um, I do it as I get time. I've got the holiday season coming up. So I'm hoping to get a lot more of the, the, the game itself up and running, you know, get the alien movement code in and get some of the initial scoring pieces in. I probably won't have the time to get the time trial mode and some of the other little extras in place, but I'm hoping to have the, 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 the core game itself up and running this year and, uh, you know, burn my vacation time on doing that. Cool. I'll definitely keep us posted and I'll, I'll keep uh, bringing it up and, and embarrassing you and chat with it. So, oh, Okay. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. Uh, next up, Simon WGB, who actually recently joined our Discord, and he does uh, a ton of retro streams uh, live on Twitch, and then he posts them on YouTube afterwards. <clears throat> so he swung back to the Dragon here uh, just yesterday, actually, yesterday morning. Well, yesterday morning in North American time. And he did four games, and he did he does longer play games. Like, he's not like some sites that, you know, stream a game, and they play it for, like, three minutes, and then they're on to the next one type thing. Like he'll play it, you know, for half an hour, an hour. Like, you actually get a real good feel for the gameplay. So the four games he chose this particular time was Crazy Painter by the Cornsoft Group, uh, Cruising, which was a Dragon exclusive, uh, Phantom Slayer, because it was mentioned on the Game On Challenge, and then uh, Dungeon Raid. So he's got two Ken Kalish games in there. Now, Crazy Painter, I know a lot of you have seen this before, Basically, it's, you know, they paint through and you got, you know, various creatures and stuff coming through and killing you and putting crap all over your top of your paint and et cetera. But he actually got it up to the point where he got to the bonus section, uh, the bonus round, which I don't think a lot of you have seen. So I was going to play a little tiny bit of that. And depending on how things go, he might have some colorful language. So hopefully that doesn't happen during this part. <laughs> So this is the squeegee challenge stage where you have to try to wipe up the paint as it comes down faster and faster. Hmm. No, it's just kind of cool because a lot of people haven't seen this particular stage. Yeah, but this you have to just stop the paint from reaching the bottom of the screen. That's cool. And the other games we've seen recently, so I won't, won't play those. But anyway, yeah, he did a nice long stream if you guys want to see some, you know, a long play footage of some of those games. Uh, feel free to check it out on his channel and catch him occasionally live on Twitch. Like I said, he plays a lot of other stuff too. He plays like, you know, other 8-bit, 16-bit machines, game consoles, all kinds of stuff. And the last one here, I thought we were going to have a Jim Garrulous week here because I didn't see any YouTube posts from Jim, but then he, he snuck this one by me, he actually uh, put it up on the uh, Facebook MC10 group instead. <clears throat> so he's porting a game called Warren's World, The Lost Colony, which is an economic simulation. 
Um, and it's actually based on a PC game. So he's got a semi-graphics version of the screen on the top and then the PC versions on the bottom. And it's a work in progress. It's not done yet. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where that one goes. Uh, does the MC10 have many simulation games like this? I've seen a couple like along the lines of Viking and stuff, but I don't think I've seen one like like this. They do on Jim's page. Okay. The screenshot page has several simulations on it. I'm pretty sure Jim did a version of Risk. Oh, that's right. Yeah, now that you mention it, I do remember that. And anyway, that's all I've got for Game On News this week. Oh. Did we already right. do? Uh, did we already do uh, Paul Shoemaker's? Did we already do which? Paul Shoemaker, number four or number five? Okay. Oh wait, yeah. What happened to that one? I thought I had that one loaded up. <laughs> oh, just a sec here. I'll we have a news glitch. <laughs> ladies, ladies and gentlemen, Paul Shoemaker hasn't. I, I was a bit rushed today, as I mentioned to the people in the chat there. Um, I decided to have a bit of a nap after uh, I had breakfast this morning and actually fell hard asleep for a while and I woke up like 20 minutes before the show so that, that didn't help me <laughs> pulled a Stevie did you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're doing what I do I got like, thanks for making that even more embarrassing than it was um, if I got the right screen here so you're right. Yeah, Paul Shoemaker, we, show, we showed his Ants demo last week, um, and he's expanded. He's actually created a menu for it where you can add more and more Ants as it goes, so it gets busier and busier. This is the machine language version, obviously. So I'll play a little bit of that. And it's kind of just like a screensaver-style thing. You can see some of the options there. The key you want is M for maximum ants. And a max of what, 100, I think? 101, is it? Oh. Yeah, something like that. I need to know what Yeah, it was 100. It kind of reminds me, actually, of the maze demo that uh, Brian Schubring was showing earlier when he was on, which is an old yeah. sign when that was yeah. made as a screensaver. So. Yeah, it looked very much similar. That's what I thought of when I first saw Brian's. Actually, I thought, oh, that looks like ants. Well, it looks yeah. like that. So anyway, uh, Paul took this new version. It's actually available on the file section in the Cocoa, uh, Cocoa group on Facebook. So if you guys want to download and give it a shot, works on Cocoa 1, 2, 3, or Dragon, I presume, if you get it converted to the right disk format. So uh, that's it for the Game on News. Thanks for pointing out that I missed that one. I've actually got those files on my STCs, and I was going to load one up for the show today, but um, decided to put Donut Dilemma on instead, seeing as we were talking about Nick's games. So... Uh, yeah, I'm pretty keen to play around with that ants one because it's a pretty cool little thing. Did you say donut dilemma? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did I miss something there, Ron? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did I miss? You put the R at the end of the dilemma. That's <laughs> that's how. It's like color. Australians talk, actually. Oh. That's how some people in New England talk. My dad always had R at the end of uh Yeah, so words. did uh, President Kennedy. He always said Cuba. <laughs> yes. Era. <laughs> yes. <laughs> people in New England, they die from hat attacks. <laughs> they, they <laughs> Jimmy hat. <laughs> some hats jumped on him and beat him up. Yes. Sometimes right after parking the car. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> go to a car wash. That's right. So why don't Australia, we? Australia, mate. Australia. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we take a uh, rondel a potty break and come back with with the actual serious color computer news? We'll be right back after these messages. Here's a hi-fi bargain from your nearby Radio Shack store. Save $100 on our exclusive realistic 77 AM FM stereo receiver. Only $159.95 during the sale. With audio component features like FM muting, push-button tape monitor, main remote speaker switching, in a genuine walnut veneer case. The ideal control center for your new music system. The sale-priced realistic 77 receiver. Only at Radio Shack, a Tandy company. Tired of your color computer art input device being low res? Joey has you covered again. Switch between three joysticks or mice. Select the left or right port on your Coco. No more swapping joystick ports. Switch between standard and high resolution mode. Supports the Tandy and the Max high resolution mode. Pre-order yours today at Cocoman.biz. The music is back. The mini maestro available now. Only from Retro Innovations. Go the number four retro.com. Watcher, I don't need that report tomorrow. That's great, JT. I need it tonight. Oh, JT. Fletcher Lack saved over 300 clams, you dig? When she got her a Model 100 from Radio Shack, like a good little consumer. It's like... A word processor, a phone directory and dialer, you dig, man? It even, like, you know, can groove with your office computer. Fletcher? Fletcher. You'll go far, Fletcher. You'll go far. ESP 8266-01 RS-232 TTL Wi-Fi Network 4-pin DIN Fitbanger DB9 PC IP DriveWire 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 Oh, I'm much happier breaking stuff. Hello, I am the speech and sound pack, and you are listening to Cocoa Talk. From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on News with El Curtis Muppet News Flash. What's going on in the world, Curtis? Um, well, a few things. <laughs> But I'm not going to cover any of the politics stuff here. Oh. This is going to be strictly Coco stuff. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Why yep, so the first, absolutely agree. Yeah. So the first one here is kind of a follow-up. The Retro Channel, who's an Australian guy too, I believe. Um, 
because I did be uh, have an Australian theme today. Uh, but yeah, uh, during Septandy, he covered some of his Cocos. And he's the one who had the HGL keyboard Coco one, if you guys remember that. So uh, this one here, he's got a Coco 2 that he had. And uh, it was just a 16K stock color basic one. So he actually does a video where he upgrades the ROM, uh, adds an extended basic ROM. And he also updates the RAM to 64K. So for those who want to do that, and I believe it's on a PAL one too. So I don't know if it's, I can't remember if it's anything specifically PAL different than NTSC, but uh, pretty, pretty good video. And uh, he's one of those guys that gets quite a bit of use. So it's helping spread the, the word of the cocoa around to, to people that normally don't see it. So, and a definitely well-produced video. And it's a, like I said, another sequel to Septandi. We got a lot of, a lot of new, you know, people in discord, a lot of new viewers just from Septandi itself and people that have stuck around afterwards, like uh, some of the ones in the chat, like ACs, et cetera, who will be covering a little bit later. So it's, uh, I, I really am glad that Septandi happened and seemed to be a lot more cocoa centric than last year. Cause we've gained a lot of new viewers. Thanks to that. So Keep up the good work, guys, and look forward to doing it again next year. Next one, uh, Michael Pitsley, and he had put up a post uh, that we mentioned last week on the Facebook Cocoa Group, where he was trying to run a numerical integration program from a book called the Tier City Color Computer Programs uh, from 1982. And he found that the Cocoa 3 basic was actually running it slower than the Cocoa 1 and 2 basic. And uh, so James Jones, who used to work for Mike Warren, is quite the math guy, far beyond my scope, um, wrote an article and includes some source code where he ports it to basic 9 and then, you know, goes through how you can optimize the program and then how it works and everything else here, too. So um, obviously it'll run a bit faster in basic 9 than it did on the original Microsoft basic. I think he ends up getting it like several times faster. This is all floating point math, too, so it's not going to be a, a big increase like you can do with integers. But uh if you're into math or if you're into, you know, comparing basics here, it's a really well-written article. He's got it up as a Google Doc. On that on that topic, if you run Basic 09 on a Coco 3 and a Coco 1 or 2, does Basic 09 run on a Coco 1 or 2? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ozone level um, 1 or nitrosine level 1. Yeah. yeah, okay. So if you're running Basic 09, do you still have the same um, differences between the Coco 1 and 2 and the Coco 3, or does Basic 09 even that out because being the same code? Uh, the basic 9 code itself is identical. Um, the operating system behind it, like Co the Coco 3, you'll be running at you know double speed, but it doesn't run quite as twice as fast because it's got all this extra MMU stuff that the operating system is doing under the hood. So it slows it down a little bit. So it's not fully double speed of the Coco 1 and 2. Um, if you're doing any graphics functions, um, there's level 1 graphics, which is like P mode 3, 4, that kind of thing. That's the same between the Coco 1, 2 and the Coco 3 and OS9 level one and level two for basic nine. Uh, if you're on the Coke three, obviously you have access to all the new stuff, like, you know, high level menu handling and high res graphics and stuff. So that's unique to the Coco three. And there is a graphics two module that handles all that. But uh, something like this, which is strictly numeric based and, and actually anything level one basically will run on both machines. Okay, so that's the basic O9 will, basically will even out the, the differences that you're seeing in RS basic. Yeah. Um, and it also runs like because it has a lot more efficiencies. Like it has integer types and boolean types and stuff like that, and complex types. You, can, it's 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 faster and generally more powerful uh, than Microsoft Basic is on just about everything. Yep. Yep. Cool. Didn't we see something that compared the MC10 to the Coco, and the MC10 is faster? Faster than the Coco three, and a little bit faster than the Coco one too. I think yeah, because they actually did optimize the six eight zero three version a little bit more. Like basically, the six eight zero nine was using some generic porting program they did, and they didn't bother optimizing it at all. They could have done a lot. I mean, um, John Kowalski, Sockmaster, uh, James Diffendaffer, um, William Astell all published you know 
patches to basic that can speed up some things quite drastically in some cases. Uh, there's a lot of you know rather sloppy quick coding done on on the, the Cocoa Basic, especially on the Cocoa Three Basic. Cocoa One and Two had a few things like they they basically wrote it for sixteen hundred and just ported it straight, and they they could have used a lot more power if they you know taken the time, but they were you know under crunch deadlines and stuff. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. that didn't happen. Must be time to dig in and uh, start getting into Basic. I know I keep talking about it, but I haven't had time to do it yet. So. Get yeah, well, if, if a couple of you guys decide to get into it, like, and also if Floyd gets you know time from his work to get back into um, GemQuest, which is a basic nine program, I wouldn't mind doing a, one of those nighttime live streams on a Saturday or something to have a live coding one and like concentrate basic nine and answer any questions between between all of us. If you have, you know, new that people like awesome. you, David, and you know people that have That'd used cool. it a bit like me, yeah, definitely be into that. Next uh, up, what's here? Go ahead. Uh, what about with the release of the Gymex? How would that play factor in with um, regards to speed? Oh yeah, well, if you if you get the version of Nitrous Nine that we've done for the Gimme X, um, which the beta testers, there's a few of them that are already using it and testing it out. It is running at full 2.86 megahertz, so it is a noticeable speed increase. In fact, GemQuest right. is something I sent out to uh, a couple of the testers, I, uh, Bill Noble, myself, Terry Steggy, and uh, who was the other one? Um, Ron Klein, I think, all have the Gimme X with the uh, with the faster RAM updates, so they can run the full 2.86. And I was getting the test gem quest because the 6809 version running at 2.86 megahertz, it's playable. It's pretty quick. The 609 is boarding on too fast again, and I'd already slowed the game down just because of Nitrous Nine speedups from the original version. So I'm, we're we're playing with seeing if whether that has to be slowed down even more before the Gimme X versions release for the 609. Hmm. Not a problem. I thought I'd ever worry about you know writing an arcade game in basic and it's running too damn fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice problem to have though. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, first world problems. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, and I think Kieran's still in the chat. He was in earlier. Uh, 6C on Discord and author of such games as Dungeons and also the author of Xrub. So he said he got bored a few weeks ago, and we mentioned last week that he started indexing the uh, entire run of Dragon User Magazine for articles by author, etc. And he finished. Apparently, he was really bored last week. He, he finished. He had two years done, and now he's finished everything else. So the complete version is up, and he's got it up in two formats. I'm showing the PDF version here just because it's easier for me to show you on the screen in a readable format, so you can kind of see the formatting he's used. It's kind of like the Rainbow Index, but you can actually go through and... If you're looking for an article, you can just do a you know a find on a PDF viewer and look for the text you're looking for, and it'll tell you what issue, what page number it's on, etc. And he's also got it in the bib text format, which I'll actually let Mr. Alan Murphy there describe what that is, because I think it's um, it's sort of a low-level text thing, kind of like a text or something. Yeah, so it's maybe, a biblio- it's a bibliography manager for LaTeX files. So LaTeX is a uh, typesetting type program that's fairly heavily used in Unix or Linux or uh, I think Mac even does some some text stuff now too. But uh, BibText is a thing that lets you manage the bibliography and all the cross-referencing and stuff using software rather than trying to hand edit yet another file to keep it all straight. Yeah. So he did it in the bib the BibText format first, and then I said, well, if you can generate a PDF, because some people just, you know, they're not going to install extra stuff. They want something that, you know, they can view on their phone just by loading the file. So he graciously did a PDF version as well. So now you've got both versions. So. 
But for those who actually have the Dragon user, or I think the Dragon user, I think the entire run's actually on the Internet Archive now, too, if I remember correctly. I think somebody did scan them all in. So, And they had a lot of good programs that we never saw in North America on Rainbow or Hot Cocoa or Color Computer Magazine or any of the rest. So there's a whole other set of software for people to fiddle with that they can get in from the magazines. Next up, and I think he might still be in the chat here, too. Um, AC's 8-bit zone. I don't know if he still is. This is part two. He covered last week that uh, after he did the Septandi, there's another guy that joined us from the Septandi. Um, though he was a Cocoa guy way back in the 80s, too. Uh, but he actually had one of his viewers say that, you know, I've got this Cocoa 2 here, and it doesn't work. It just comes with a plain green screen. So the first one, he was kind of checking all the power and stuff, and it looks like, you know, the power basically on the board's working. On this one, he starts going through signals between the chips. So he's going between, you know, the VDG and the CPU and the RAM chips, et cetera. And uh, basically by the end, he's figured out that there's at least a, one bad RAM, I think. Um, David mm -hmm. Ladd, you, you, you commented on so you probably watched it closer than I did. I didn't have time to finish it completely, but uh, it sounds like part three might be the last one, which will be the next one, which actually shows what, what to fix specifically, but it looks like a bad RAM chip. Is that right, David? Or is David still on? Muted, is he? Might have had to step away. Fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a tradition for people watching the news segment. So, <laughs> And uh, if, if AC's in the chat, if he wants to chime in, I can read his response a little bit later. I don't know if he's still, still here. I think he had to step away, too, when I remember earlier. Mary, it's a good series, and he's he's been definitely keeping up with the Coco. He's joined us on Discord now. Um, he's still cranking out Coco videos, obviously. So definitely give his channel a subscription there, especially if you're into the hardware of the Coco, because he does a lot of stuff on that. Cool. Next up, uh, Simon. Oh, what the heck happened there? Well, I was going to demonstrate this, but Facebook is being Facebook today. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> Oh, maybe I'll do it this time. Have I told you how much I hate Facebook? <laughs> Not in the last five milliseconds. <laughs> I'm slipping. <laughs> Practically like democracy. Can you guys hear that okay? Yep. And can you hear me talking over it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Sounds good. So in this case here, he's doing four voices again. Uh, like he did on the previous one he did last week, but now he's you know fiddled with the waves. He's got a different song on it, which I believe is based on a C64 game. But each of the voices has its own waveform, uh, which I think he did demonstrate a little bit last week. But this one he converted from a MIDI file rather than you know taking raw sheet music or a previously existing Coco song. So we, I, I'm assuming he must have some sort of MIDI converters probably written in, you know, on Windows or, or something like that. So. And that one actually will run is in the background as an assembly routine and takes roughly about 50% of the CPU time to do all four voices simultaneously. It's kind of like what Nick did with pipes with the two voice. Pretty impressive stuff, as usual, from Simon. So. Yeah. One thing I did, yeah. one thing he did, I think one thing he mentioned, and I don't know if that was the version that was on there, but he mentioned there was a few tuning issues, but that was just a lookup table issue. It's yeah, he's got to you know, edit the table a little bit to smooth out the notes. Yeah. The most ironic thing about Simon that he confided to me what he, he was actually told, uh, considered a dunce at maths in school. And he actually <laughs> went and got a tutor. And oh, okay. the, look at what he's doing now. Yeah. I should have got a tutor because I still don't get math. 
The guy absolutely <laughs> amazes me, blows me away every day with the stuff that he posts. Yes, yeah, you know, people said, and like a lot of people said, oh, you can't do that on a, a, a Coco Three. And Simon's like, hold my hold beer. My beer. <laughs> yeah, that's one place I think uh, Sockmaster John Kowalski has been an inspiration for a lot of programmers. The Coco, he's the one who kind of started that whole, you know, the Coco can do that hold my beer style thing because he was doing some of these demos <laughs> back in the '80s still. Yeah, yeah, right. I I remember that some of the demos that I got because uh, the three three of the Coco threes that I got one was one twenty eight k and the two five twelve k's. Two of them were from. Uh, two guys from the same user group. One was a uh, semi-retired police inspector. Mind you, a lot of the stuff he had on there was pretty out there. And, um, you know, um, full of brushed man and all this other stuff. And um, there was Chet Simpson's, uh, I think it's the Ray Laced demo. The Ray Trace one? one? Yeah, he did that one. He did a waterfall port too. Yeah, so I had the waterfall port. Uh, I found out after the fact that that was an Atari ST uh, port originally. Ironically, uh, around the time when Tandy had started to, like, get away from the Coco, I'd actually had in the Tandy store an Atari uh, 1040 ST on lay-by. And um, my employer turned around and said, oh, we're making you all redundant. And so I went in and said, look, I've just been fired. Uh, what do we do? Because I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to pay this off. And they said, look, what do you want to do? And I said, well, look, I'm into music and DJing. I'll buy some DJ gear. And I've been a DJ now, uh, well, close to 30 years. Okay. Like, a bit like I was always using my friend's gear, practicing on theirs, and now I've like, got top-of-the-line stuff as well. So that's the other love I had outside of the Coco. My first love was music. I think I mentioned this to um, uh, David ages ago. Um, yeah, there's been, there's been quite an overlap of musicians in the Coco, actually. I mean, Brian Shubring, uh, Mike Knutson, yeah. uh, Lister Hands. Uh, there's been a ton of it. And we, we actually were Aaron one of Audrey. the earlier MIDI-supporting yeah. platforms, to be honest. Um, sad, sadly, you know, my singing teacher told me, Chad, you're going to have a great solo career. I said, really? I said, yeah, sing solo that nobody can hear you. <laughs> yeah, that'd be like me, <laughs> either singing or dancing both. But yeah, I mean, one. we never really had a demo scene. And I mean, Simon definitely has been a, a, an instigator of, of, of that on the Coco in the modern times. And I think the top three demo makers we've had over the last 30 years is Simon, uh, John Kowalski, and then Remy. Because Remy did some amazing, you know, texture map demos. What like David like runs on his background. Remy, yeah, he's from Europe, somewhere I can't remember exactly where he is, but he's done a, quite a few impressive. He did the Coco Sid simulator uh, for playing the Sid I, sound chip stuff. He did the uh, Wolf one where you can wander through a 3D maze, but with the fisheye distortion fix. Plus, you can actually look up and down using the joystick. I think I've, ch- I've I think I've chatted with him on um, on Messenger, but I didn't actually realize he'd done demos. Oh, yeah, he's done some of the most advanced demos that Coco 3's ever seen. Um, Simon actually knows him fairly well because him and Simon have worked together on some stuff. I think he actually helped a little bit with Simon's demo. But uh, the one thing, nice thing about Simon here is that this routine he's doing here is actually going to be part of the game engine for his new game he's working on. And that's something he's not done in the Coco before is actually write an entire game. We've seen some graphic demos and stuff here, but these are the different pieces he's putting together. So really looking Mm. forward to that game because we'll have some other top shelf stuff besides, you know, Chet and Nick, et cetera. If I remember correctly, Remy may not have even been a Kokai guy initially. I think he came over from another platform, if it's the same Remy. 
I honestly don't know. Like his stuff came out in the early nineties and late nineties from what I remember originally. Okay. Different, re- possibly a different Remy. This guy was, um, I put I a random post. I put a random post up about it. It was a disc nibbler and it was basically, you know, what is this wrong answers only. And this guy started chatting with me. It was from Finland or Denmark. If that's the same guy. Yeah. I, I I've never really talked to myself. I know Simon has though. So next time Simon's yeah. on, we can ask him. And then next up, um, I still don't know how to pronounce this name. Ziax Gemazoa. Sure. Uh, he's been doing quite a few polls lately, so we actually put up a new one here. And he's kind of trying to find out where all the different cocoa people are real in the world. And we do have the map thing there. That goes right down to the city specific. And what he wants here is just a more general one. Um, you know, our, what continent are you on? You can get as specific as you want yourself here. So you can mention your country or just the continent you're on and then down to the state, province, territory but not city. He doesn't want you know, for uh, privacy reasons, et cetera, but just trying to get an idea where everybody's located here. Um, so if you're, if you're inclined to do so, uh, please go join that poll and, and, and add your vote in there as well. Um, and we also have the map thing, which I know Stevie updates every once in a while, as we get some new members here, we'll kind of like highlight where people are from. We still haven't got anybody from Antarctica yet. We're hoping that'll happen soon. <laughs> I'll I'll save it for I'll save it for another time. You just a little hard. McMurdo. It's a little hard for penguins to type. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just discovered a six foot oh. penguin, so that'd be really awkward. Um, <laughs> uh, next up, uh, a new cocoa site has been started, kind of as a social network thing, um, and I think Brian Blake is doing this one, if I remember correctly. So it's one that you have to actually sign up for to, you know, keep the spammers out. Um, but they actually have a discussion section and classifieds, et cetera, too. Um, so if you guys want to check that out, go ahead. Um, it, it just got started up little this week here, so I don't know how much is on there yet. I haven't signed up myself there. I just got a link from the Facebook group. So I don't know too much about it other than Brian set it up. Uh, next up, Chris Burke, who you might remember from Burke and Burke days, they made the uh, Coco XTC, um, the hard drive adapter, and a you know Cyrus chess port OS nine, and a ton of other stuff. He's actually been working on a uh, USB keyboard adapter. So this little video here, this is. I don't know if this is going to work. Little demo is of it, a. Can you see the zoomed up version, zero. or is it going blank? Yeah, that's working fine. Okay, that's, yeah, that's a crapshoot with Facebook too. So. Um, but basically what he's doing here is he's actually making a little hardware adapter to map to the Cocoa keyboard. So you can see the little diagram he's got on the background there. We're just showing how the PIAs are wired for each uh, row and column to read the keys. And he's got those LED lights there showing the same thing. So he's got a USB keyboard plugged into it. And when he hits certain keys, you'll see which lights slide up, which means it's doing the right column and row strobe. So it's only a one minute video. So I'll probably just play it all the way through uh, and let Chris kind of explain it on his own here. It's good to see Chris getting back into the Cocoa hardware scene, though. This is a little demo of loud a Raspberry Pi yeah, Zero good. talking to a USB keyboard and decoding it to the color computer keyboard matrix, which is represented by this LED array here. So you can see if I type H E L L O. Control-A, Control-B, up arrow, left arrow, right arrow, down arrow, 
they all light up on the color computer uh, key matrix matching the diagram on the right. The next step is to hook this up to an actual color computer keyboard socket instead of this LED array, and I'll post another video of that when I have it. Thank you. That's cool. Yeah, so I mean, I've, we've seen some uh, keyboard adapters before. We've had lots of XT AT ones. Obviously, those are kind of going by the wayside, or even PS2 is starting to go by the wayside. So actually getting a USB one, which every modern computer uses, means we'll have a lot more opportunities to use, you know, the fancy Dave... Uh, you know, lit up keyboards and stuff there that he always shows off in the background here to make the rest of his jealous. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Next yeah, it was here. a fun project. Oh. Yeah. All the mapping, uh, it was a lot of fun to do. Yeah. I know I've, I've done it from the programming side, but I'm not a hardware guy. So, but it's, you know, same thing. You have to do the roll, column, strobes, et cetera. Next up, uh, Jim Brain, like we've been talking about all these sound chips, like uh, Alan Murphy was talking about it here earlier. And Jim at Retro Innovations and the president of Glenside now has actually bulk bought a whole bunch of AY38910 audio chips, and he's now selling them for a dirt cheap price at $2 a chip. So for those of you who want to get the hardware projects, I think it's going to cost more to ship it than it's going to cost for the chip itself. So, mm -hmm. And that's, a, you know, the standard three voice. I think that's a, is that the exact same chip that's in the Speech Sound Pack? I can't remember. Yeah, it should be. It is. And uh, it also goes on the Philharmonic 12 board. That he also offers on the site. You can yeah, put that is four, four of them, of those. right? Four of them. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. Four That's of a clone of the Symphony 12 board from Speech Systems. Correct. And are you supporting both versions of that in your Nostromo game? I forgot to ask about the Philharmonic. Yeah. So you're gonna have actually have 12 voice, four noise channel options. That that's gonna be cool. Well, I'll support mm. the card if you've got it plugged in. But the original game only came with three voice sound. So I can. What I was planning on doing it was cloning it across uh, both of the channels, so that it would be the same sounds out, out six channels, and as a stereo, do a stereo offset or something. Oh, cool! So for you hardware tinkers that also want to get into the programming of doing these audio chips here, and uh, or making your own version of the speech sound card without the speech part, um, chips are dirt cheap and available from our president. Very cool. That's also in the um, FM7 and the Vectrex, also 6809 machines. Oh, I didn't realize that was the same sound chip in the Vectrex. That's cool. Yeah, pretty sure. That's going to make um, porting a lot easier. Same CPU, same sound chip. It's also basically the sound chip that's in the Coco PSG card from Zipster. Um, he oh. uses the YM2149, but the register programming is the same as the AY38910. Okay. So, what does the Winchester uh, cartridge use? I can't remember. Is that a different uh, one? It uses the uh, the TI discrete complex sound chip. It's called the SN76489. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a different chip. That one's from like the Tandy 1000 and uh, TI and some other. PC Junior. Yeah. Okay. So these so these chips that are available, they, uh, they're uh, based on OPL2? Or is it OPL3? Or is it OPL3? OPL2, would it? Or being Yamaha? Oh, this is I way think, before LPL. Yeah, this is not LPL. Yeah, no, nothing. <laughs> oh, okay. It's prior to that. Okay, right. Okay. Yeah, way, and way. These were, these were general instruments or microchip way, way back in okay. the 70s. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Got my wires way across there then. <laughs> Next up, Alan Huffman decided to create a poll too. Um, and he, this is a pretty interesting uh, thing here. The uh, Retro Games Limited from the UK um, is uh, made a VIC 20 re recreation. 
and there's he speculated what other machines should I do from that uh, time era and try to recreate as well. And he specifically mentioned the dragon as one of the options he's considering doing. So Alan started thinking, well, how about doing the Cocos? And if he, you know, obviously he's not going to make every version of the Coco type thing. And, you know, Zipster's also kind of working on a, a clone of the Coco 2 at this point. But what machine would you like to see, you know, him tackle next as a clone on the Coco side of things to get one made? And uh, you can go vote on that there. And you can, of course, vote multiple times if several ones you would like. Um, uh, the Coco 3 is by far in the lead right now because that's the far rare, far more expensive machine to try to get these days. So I have to agree with that uh, as well, that that would be the one to do. It's, it's, it's the one that's getting to be hundreds of dollars now if you're getting them on eBay. Oh, so many things have just gone through the roof on eBay this year. It's uh, a lot of retro stuff's gone crazy. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Hmm. Oh, that's the same one. Did I screw up one of the links again? I was in such a hurry after I woke up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've downloaded. Look, I did. I've basically gone and downloaded a, a meme of Dr. Evil from Austin Powers saying $1 million because everybody's basically extorting money out of everyone, holding everyone to ransom with the products <laughs> that they've got. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if any of you have a ton of Coco 3s sitting in, in a garage somewhere, haha, wrong. <laughs> and, and you want to have like a big retirement fund, you're you're set. Yeah, only, yeah. I've got a bone, bone to pick. Uh, I'm low. I only have five. Uh, I'm, I'm lower. I'm lower. I've only got three. <laughs> I'm jealous. I've only got two. And that's why I've I had one. seven at one point. Now I've got, I've got one. Six, I've got six Cocos, but three of them are Coco 3s. And three are Cocoa 1s. Yeah. I got one Cocoa 1 and two Cocoa 3s left. And my TC9, I guess, that one probably is pretty mm. rare, too. I have 20 Cocos. Wow. Wow. Hoarder. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really <laughs> wanted to comment on that post. Like, uh, I guess, not, for lack of a better word, feature creep. Why don't we do the Cocoa 4? Hit up Boise. He's got it that. in storage somewhere. That's just a case model. There's no nothing yes. inside. Yeah. Exactly. It was. It was. Uh, it was a hoax. Let's let's make a motherboard. Yeah. No, it's a proto, or yeah, a prototype, yeah. prototype case design. But it was killed before it ever got to the hardware stage. All right. So it looks like I missed one here. I'll try to find it here after I do the other two stories. Derek um, Osborne. Yep. So I'll try to find that one again. Appreciate Is that the adapter from Derek? Yeah. Yeah. If you yeah, have the I link. If you got the link handy, if you can throw it into the chat yeah, here. Yeah, he, he posted it into the Tandy 1000 page too, I believe. Just bear with me for one moment. Yeah, if you have the Coco link, do that one because I'm, I'm not a member of the Tandy 1000 group, so I may not be able to see it. But in the meantime, I'll just go on to the next ones. If you can just post it in the Zoom chat while we're going here. So next one, this yeah. is an interesting project. I would not heard of this, um, but uh, Tony Capolini uh, posted in Facebook about this. And it's a program that's being featured on Hackaday. <clears throat> and it's basically one that will let you specify and create an emulator based on an XML file. So you write an XML file, which is a text-based file that specifies the CPU and the sound chips and how the video works and blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, and then you just run it through this thing and it'll generate an emulator for you. And he's got a Dragon 1 done. He's got you know multiple other older systems too. And, and basically he hasn't published source code because he's still tweaking things around here. But it actually lets you like run simulations here. You can actually run, watch, go through with a trace mode here, similar to what MAME has. 
you can set it up to run so that it'll generate something that'll play on a web page you can actually fiddle around with, or you can make it a standalone. Um, it, I'm guessing it's probably even going to eventually be cross-platform. You can even have an emulator run an emulator within this thing if you specify both of the segments. Huh. So it's got See, a lot of fancy stuff in here. So you're basically um, replica replicating an emulator. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, so here he's actually demonstrating with the Dragon 32 a little bit here. And this is, I won't play the whole thing because this actually goes into a, a complete explanation of yeah, how it all works. stands for emulation. And it's a framework. six and a half minute video. So you, definitely, you guys should go check that out. the barrier to entry for emulation developers. Space invaders, it would be emulation which is developers 80, 80 by adopting a low code approach. But and there's a Sinclair. The three main tools That's for directly I from a sure single description. This saves a lot of tedious Okay, the work. link's in. Uh, I think uh, Mark Overholzer has posted Although a similar link as well. Although all the examples this website are naturally based around JavaScript. Okay, I'll check the that out. Builder takes so this the is a dragon here actually running. And builds an internal representation of the machine. It then uses that representation well, it's implemented as a simple function. In this way, your emulator only needs to invoke the correct callback at each step. It even handles things like self-modifying code properly. Like this is a pretty extensive uh, framework he's got. And that's basically what the EMF stands for. It's a framework for emulators. And uh, it looks like it's got a lot of future potential and it would make writing emulators a heck of a lot easier than trying to add something to MAME. So this might be, for those who are trying to get into custom sound cards or custom video chips, and, you know, it takes a while for Tim and others to write this in and, and get it integrated MAME and submit it and then wait for it to get approved. You could actually literally do this on your own, just writing XML specs for these. So I think this is something that you know some of the hardware and software you know hardcore designers would really like. I'm really looking forward to actually giving this a shot in the future here once he releases it fully. Um, but uh, yeah, I hadn't even heard of this. And apparently, it's been an ongoing project for a while. So definitely check that one out. And the next one here, Richard Harding posted on the Dragon Facebook group, I think this morning, North American time, that he's uploaded non-English versions of the Dragon Basic Manual, one in Norwegian, one in Italian. Um, so obviously we've got the English ones, and I think there's already been existing French, et cetera. But no, uh, this, is kind of, <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of nice, too, because we're getting a more and more international and non-English speaking country uh, element to the Coco community and the Dragon community coming out and getting more involved in it again. So having these resources where you don't have to like try to run it through Google Translate all the time to figure out something, I think is a real boon. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get more languages up there too, so that basically all of Europe can join in and all fun. And then we'll just need Google Translate, you know, to have them on the show. <laughs> That's a spicy, spicy meatball. I found the uh, Darren <laughs> it's link a, posted it, in chat. It, it's a more. Europeans don't speak English, you know. <laughs> it, it's a more. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now where did my chat window go here? Pasta morning. <laughs> pasta, pasta, pasta. Uh, it's. I think it's hiding it because I'm sharing my screen. So I'll stop the share briefly. Oh, yep, now it came back. Keeps squishing up too, but compressing. Yeah, that's the one I was looking for. Thank you very much. I'll just uh, reshare that. He's talking to himself. <laughs> hey, so Derek Osmond posted this, and uh, this is a using a digital joystick with the Coco, and you can see the little project. And it's actually a publicly available project that you can download to take a look at and build. Um, 
And it's actually uh, that that particular project's actually been up for a while, but he actually built it up now. Chad, you have you fiddled? You talked to him a little bit on this. Is there any uh, extra details you can give? Since I don't really uh, talk too much. Oh, okay, let me let me go back and have a look through. Give me one second. Of course, when you want to look at it, the keypad pops up in front of what you're trying to read. <laughs> so doing so it's a very phone, small yeah. little board that does the adapter there. And he was basically he was basically asking, um, you know, what do you guys think of the board? What do you think of the size of the cord? And, you know, I'm surprised, you know, people haven't commented something stupid like, you know, well, cord length matters, you know, or size matters. But um, I asked him, will that fit the Sega game pads? But they use a different um, – let me have a look. Different, different pinout? No, it was something internal, not the pinout. Uh, Sega game pads can damage C64s, but I'm not sure why that is. This is what someone's put here. Uh, was just, yeah, it was just trying to uh, help help promote your product. As there's a couple of other Coco adapters out there that convert Atari, Sega, and Sega Genesis, but no mention of C64 on their one. So that was uh, Richard Lorbieski had one, and uh, somebody else. I think it might have been uh, either Retro Innovations or no. Cloud Nine. Neil had one. Blanchard. Neil Blanchard. Neil Blanchard. Yeah. Uh, someone. Here we go, John Linville. Uh, Genesis pads drive the joystick button lines both high and low. Diodes are needed to prevent driving the button lines high into the cocoa. And someone uh, so it's also... A, so it's a voltage issue, basically. It's a, Yeah, uh, and also, too, uh, Steve Jones has put, I'm curious why this has to be any more complicated than two resistors as a voltage divider on each axis. I see that the gate is configured to allow a rapid-fire circuit, but if I don't care about that, won't four resistors accomplish the basic task? Obviously, I'm missing something since multiple people apparently came up with more complex designs, but I'm not sure what it could be. Uh, okay. So it's an interesting perspective, given that the purpose is to take a digital joystick and convert it into an analog signal with discrete values from zero, 2.5 volts and up to five volts to be read as an analog value again by the computer. And uh, it's I mean, fully I have to saturating be honest, the output, basically, is what he's saying here. Okay. I have to say that my favorite part of it is it has the, you know, don't panic from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy right on the circuit <laughs> board. That's my favorite part go. of it. There <laughs> <laughs> you Bringing it right back to what we are talking about right at the very beginning. And there was a few bit of feature creeping, like why not put a bypass so that, you know, you can have it um, as a high res or have it as standard. Yeah, I don't know if there would be much use for high res, though, because if it's a, a digital stick, I mean, the high res was usually used for analog specific apps like, you know, paint. No, stuff. He also that does a I think that's what he put on the Tandy 1000 page. Let me double check. He did a high res adaptive as well for the Tandy 1000 yeah. and the Tandy Coco. I did, like you were saying though, Curtis, uh, you know, digital joysticks basically on and off. So there yeah. is no intermediate Like that makes no sense for high-res. Yeah. No, no. That's what I would have thought. To be honest, he's he's do done do? both. He's done both. Oh, sure so why. an analog high-res and a digital adapter, basically, you're saying. Yeah, let me just have a look. Yeah, but the Coco High Res is kind of complicated compared to 
Yeah. And so software intensive. It's 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 almost like the bit banger port of joysticks. Yeah. Right. And and just to get zero and sixty-three, why would you go there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, it's that's actually it's some it's not it's a different person that um, won't don't remember who they are. Hmm. I mean, it does support two button joysticks. Now, if you want a digital stick, I mean, if you want to use one of the old Atari eight uh, bit or the uh, Commodore sixty four style joysticks, that's a good good project for that. And some people have their preferences for different types of joysticks, uh, depending hmm. on what you're used to. Some people like you know NES game pads, etc. So it's nice having these options. I, I don't see the purpose of the high res one because that kind of defeats the whole purpose of the high res interface to go to digital. No, it wasn't Derek. Yeah, yeah. It was somebody else. Okay. Was doing a high res. I can't remember if I saw it on the Tandy One Thousand page or if I saw it on Coco. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, um, Jason's got his uh, his uh, high res adapter now too for that for the analog stuff. So, you know, that's a really good product. So, uh, which Jason? Jason Rygard. Coco man. Uh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we've got lots of options as far as joystick adapters. I mean, Rick Rick Ulan's been working on one too. I think. At some yeah, point. I've got one. I, I, you know, Monk has dozens of projects. So. No. <laughs> anyway, that's the end of the news. Uh, thanks for uh, helping me get that last story that I screwed up the link on. Sure. Well, our our president just popped in, Jim Brain. Jim, did you want to say anything about the news before we <clears throat> move on? I just stepped on because it sounded like there was a bunch of questions about the Sega adapter and, and whatnot. So if you guys don't have any, that's fine. I, I just was like, wasn't sure actually, where we were going with that. <laughs> actually, Jim, one, one thing totally unrelated to hardware. You feel free to ask questions of Jim for the hardware too here. But since you're president and we haven't really had you on officially to, to talk about that, um, obviously we want to get another fest going. We've talked about the new venue and stuff. Is there any other things that you've thought of for the Coco community over the next year with Glenside that you wanted to oh, maybe mention? Uh, probably not yet, but... I, I just had a conversation with um, the outgoing president like this week. And I think one of the big things, um, I don't know that it's a big thing for the group, but I know for some time we've been trying to get <clears throat> all of the web presence for the club kind of, um, you know, kind of cleaned up and, and harmonized. There's like tandylist.com and there's Glenside CCC. And then there's some development efforts that started out last year around um, kind of updating the website and whatnot and providing a little bit easier way for um, for folks to, to to kind of manage the site, you know, newsletters and so forth. <clears throat> so I've been working on some of that. That's kind of behind the scenes work. Um, <clears throat> so I don't, you know, I, I think it'll, it'll help folks. The other one is, um, I mean, along with that, um, I have gotten access to some of the accounts right now. So, you know, there's a Twitter account and there's Obviously, Facebook have gotten been made the an administrator in the Facebook page and so forth. So, trying to make sure um, there's continuity on on you know posting information and 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 whatnot. <clears throat> um, I, I think the big thing right now is just it, there is a lot of focus on the on the new on the 2021 Cocoa Fest because <clears throat> um, you know there is there even in my opinion there's a little bit of concern of you know should we should we be thinking about a date a little later in the year, given, you know, given that it's November and there's, there's still no end in sight to the pandemic. Um, and I'm not saying that, <clears throat> you know, there's been any real conversation around that. It's just really, really feel um, strongly that I think everybody want, doesn't want to go through another year where there's no physical interaction. So there really would, 
be, you know, if it, if it means we've got to push it till a little bit later in the year, maybe we ought to do that sooner rather than later, rather than wait until March and then have to start looking at venue changes and whatnot, like we did um, in 2020, ultimately having to cancel anyway. <clears throat> so right now that, 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 and speakers, I think I mentioned that last time I was yeah. on here, speakers for the, for the Cocoa Fest. So those are big things. I've got some ideas, but I'd like to talk to the kind of the rest of the team um, and, and right now there's just some tactical things, like I said, getting access to the various systems, cleaning up the, um, kind of the website, uh, functionality. And then I, I don't know <clears throat> who all waits with bated breath for their next newsletter, but I know, um, that the newsletter probably should have went out in late October and here it is the first of November. And so, um, hopefully we can get the newsletter out in, you know, maybe a week or two so that we can announce the new slate of officers and, also start the process of, you know, um, engaging with folks on the 2021 show. Cause I don't know that there's been that much in the newsletter around that. Yeah. And you, you were mentioning speakers. I mean, if, if it does end up being where we have to delay the show, cause you know, there's, it's just not, you can't do international travel or whatever it is like it is now, right. then it, it definitely would help to have either a, back, either a backup plan, like a second day we can pre-book and just say, we'll pick this one. If you know, April's not safe right. enough yet. Um, but you even trying to book speakers. I mean, they have to book flights or hotels or whatever else too. And if they don't even know when they're coming, then it's really hard to do that, obviously. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> um, I figured the the first thing is, and, and you know, um, <clears throat> Eric's been really nice about getting the information into a shared location, like for the contract to see, you know, what the options are. I was going to probably call those folks in the next week or two and say, listen, you know, things are still up in the air. What are my options? I just want to understand what the, what the various possibilities are. I'm probably less concerned about, um, uh, people needing to, you know, rebook like speakers needing to rebook, um, uh, uh flights and hotel hotels. They can be moved flights if they can't get, you know, refunded and they have an availability on an alternate weekend. And I have a feeling that the membership or just, you know, folks like myself would say, you know what, uh, I'll dispatch you, you know, whatever the amount of money is for the, um, you know, for the airflare, um, because we, you know, we've run into this situation where we've got to, you know, we've got to change the date. I'm hopeful we don't have to change the date. I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. I just, <clears throat> I want to make sure that we have as much opportunity to put on a show in 2021 as possible. I agree. Mm. Good calls. Yep. Anyway, thanks for the update. Um, that no officially if ends the news section. Let you guys have some questions on joysticks and stuff for for Jim. Any other questions, or we'll take a break. I just wanted to uh, hold this one thing up. We were talking about joystick adapters. Remember these? Okay. All right. This is what? a genuine Zebra Systems Cocoaified Wyco joystick oh, adapter. Oh yeah, I remember those. I think we can get this thing to. But yeah, eighty nine. Here it is, new in the box. Don't know why I have this. I just found it earlier today, and it just came up. So, who put the sticker across the? <laughs> oh, that's that's the original. And I wish I could get it to show up in the light properly. That's I can the family see uh, text there, kicking in everyone's. Uh, that's yeah. the factory yeah. label from Zebra Systems. It's just a printed sticky. No, I meant the one on the cover. Same thing. Ugh. That was their factory label. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, you can't see it. it. It's very faintly printed joystick adapter, Atari to Tandy Color Computers, Zebra Systems, model USA 1, 51589. So I just thought that was funny that I ran across this 
literally earlier today and then Atari joystick adapters came up. So mm, life cool. is short. <laughs> Amen, brother. Any, any further questions on joysticks or should we let Rob do the commercial break and then come back for all the other stuff we still haven't done on the show yet? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan to me. All right. Well, we right, will be onwards. Right, right. We will be right back in honor of um, Mr. Dave. We will do some Coco do and then uh, be back with Mr. Dave 6809 and Ron's Garage and more acquisitions and just more Coco talk. We'll be back, folks. Coco talk will return after these messages. Un ordinateur couleur, quelle de personnalité Le Coco 2 de Radio Sac. On solde pour Noël à partir de 149,95. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. If you're using your color computer in Quebec, and it stops working, is it now a Coco won't do? Hi, Ron Delvo, Timberman, Coco Fest, Coco Talk. In a world where RGB produces black and white video, One cable can make a difference. Switcheroo. Coco3scartcable.com Hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. What's going on, everybody? Original gamer Stevie Stroh here, and if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get Ama Coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Radio Shack Storewide Manager's Red Tag Sale is on now. We've slashed prices 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. Save on famous Radio Shack Hi-Fi, car stereo, radios, toys, TV games, calculators, walkie-talkies, and CB radios. Look for the big red tag. Save like never before on these and literally hundreds of red tag specials. Hurry into Radio Shack today. Hi, this is Randy Kindig of the Foppy Days Podcast. I just love me some cocoa, and nobody covers it better than Steve Strobridge. You're listening to Cocoa Talk. And we're back. 
Mr. Dave six out and eight oh nine. Your the floor is yours. All right, thanks, guys. Um, all right, maybe you can do a bit of screen sharing. I'll show you what I've been up to. All righty. It's a pretty black cocoa you got there. <laughs> yes. That's my baby. I worked hard on that one. Okay. Um, so I've been working on putting uh, different games onto cart. Games that were on um, originally on like disc or cassette. Except on the Dragon, some of these actually were in cartridge in, in the UK. Yep. Yeah. But for... For me, <laughs> they weren't on uh, on cartridge here, so. so I've been working on that, and uh, I had a bit of help from uh, Alan and uh, William on how to uh, decode the the data from the disks and get them onto cart. So that was fun. Let's see what else here. So it's a. Uh, Nick mentioned I was able to get his game on a cart. Ooh. He has a door on his CM8. Yep. So, so do I. <laughs> Don't tell anyone I have two. <laughs> <laughs> As do I. Two doors. <laughs> so if anybody has a, a, a file that they would like to see on cartridge, you know, maybe something they wrote or something uh, that got damaged or whatever, I, I can put it on cart for you. I can offer that service. That's not, cool. Not like if you want 100 copies of, uh, you know, Color Baseball, but, you know, something that's yours or your own. So you're more style. offering this for one-shots rather than, you know, manufacturing for sale for somebody type thing. I had well, a original, I had original cut of um, um, Stellar Lifeline back in the in the eighties. I've got it here somewhere, but I cannot find it for the life of me. So I might even uh, uh, I might have a, a discussion with Steve Bjork maybe and see if you would mind if I would do that and you could do that for me. But uh, so maybe I shouldn't mention that on here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But I have the original cartridge, so I do. I have actually paid for it and I do own it. So I'm not asking okay. for pirated things. So I started collecting uh, retro computers and working on them about a year ago. And this is my eight-foot-high shelf. That's shelf number one. I got slightly out of control. Hmm. You haven't filled the garage uh, yet. <laughs> it's an addictive hobby, that's for sure. Well, I got lots of uh, Cocos, um, MSX, some Commodores, TIs. MC10s, of course. <laughs> and a Newton or three. Yeah, there was a Newton. I, I just uh, passed that one on eBay not long ago. So I'm working on... So here's one of the games I put on cartridge. Draconian. That lovely RGB keyboard. Yeah. And this is what I'm working on now. So I'm trying for the first time to make a Coco 3 game. And as Rob said, I like the uh, anime 
J-pop, K-pop, all that stuff. So I'm going to do an anime game. It's going to be a puzzle game where if things go well, you'll get to date the characters of the game. Sort of in the style of... Um, did anyone play Dead or Alive on Xbox back in the day? Mm-mm. No. Not me. No. Nope. Nope. Hmm. Tough crowd. Okay, well, <laughs> as you play the game and stuff, you would get, you know, rewards and stuff, and you can shop and stuff, and you could try and use these gifts to, to get the attention of the, uh, the girls on the island. So I'm going to make a puzzle game, and uh, it's going to be a lot of graphics. I might put it on either for the Coco SDC or maybe a one one uh, megabit cart. So I've been transferring over graphics that the uh, Coco 3 will understand. Do you have any screenshots of your the Coco 3 representations? Yeah, that was uh, dialed down for the Coco 3. Right now I'm doing my programming on the VCC, and then I move it over to the... the uh, Move it over to the hardware after. But uh, I, I like working on VCC for using the editor assembler and stuff like that. Yeah, I think when I, um, you know, I keep talking about getting back into assembly again. And I think this time around when I'm um, playing around with assembly, I'm going to try experimenting with this, with uh, uh, writing assembly on, a, on um, uh, what do you call it, emulators. Um, just to make it easier to edit the stuff, really, because editorism isn't exactly the easiest thing to edit on <laughs> compared to an emulator, really, and a notepad, you know, just copying, paste, and, and write on that. I could see the merit in that. Well, I'm doing my programming on VCC using the um, Robert Galt's uh, version of the editor assembler that works for the 6309. And... I do like it that right away I can write some code and hit debug and run it uh, right from there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what Nick uses for developing his games too, is that same assembler. Well, here's one of the reasons why I got into the Vectrex again. Uh, they have new, there's, there's new games being developed for it and uh, new overlays that respond to ultraviolet light. That's really, really fancy looking. Yeah, the, the games look really good. you got to set up a black light with wow. LEDs or something around your Vectrex screen. Or just use a powerful black light behind you. And uh, so, it, it's quite amazing. So how does a black light affect what's on the screen? I wouldn't have thought that would have been possible. It's... It affects the overlay, doesn't it? The overlay. Well, yeah. yeah, it affects yeah, the overlay. It affects, yeah. you got to buy a special... And you get the bonus that if you set up the, the light behind you, you can actually get yourself a tan at the same time you're playing. <laughs> Especially if you come from Antarctica. <laughs> yeah, most of these are using a UV frame that you can get and fit to the Vectrex itself. And then you just pop the overlay in and the overlay is the, the only thing that's really lit by the UV frame. So the Vectrix itself isn't. Oh, I'm just not quite getting it. Is it? It's not creating that the overlay graphics, or is it just creating stuff that goes no, on? No, it's an actual no. piece of plastic sitting in yeah. front of the screen. If you uh, look at like right. a Star Castles arcade game, 
uh, the screen of the Star Castles arcade game actually has a plastic film on it that gives you the colors for the various circles. Yeah, they do the same thing with the Vectrex, is that it has tabs that you just fit the overlay into in front of the screen, and each game for the Vectrex came in a box that was big enough for the overlay, the cartridge, and the manual. And in the past couple of years, they've made these overlays. They've recreated the original ones, and then someone got the idea to print them using uh, ultraviolet sensitive paint instead of just the regular paint that they use and put a UV frame on it uh, because you're going to play your Vectrex in the dark anyway. So now you get a Vectrex, you get a buzz off kit for it to stop the hum, and then you know an upgraded controller, the UV frame, 50 add-ons. Oh, there you go. That's where the buzz off goes. Okay. Where? So this is inside my uh, Vectrex machine. Now, the second chip behind the one that's not socketed is the 6809. And instead of using, um, like, the typical horizontal scan line, the the Vectrex will move the beam wherever you need it on the screen. It, it's pretty uh, old hence uh, the, hardware. Hence the, uh, the, the, the warnings about not letting it... Um, leave the beam in one spot and burn holes in your fossil. Yeah, exactly. It's not going left mm. to right or up and down. It's just, it's more like an oscilloscope. Yep, 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 yep. So you've got a vertical and horizontal deflection directly being controlled by the computer without scanning, without raster scanning. Yeah, so there's no video chip. Uh, we have just some logit circuits that are moving the beam around as the 6809 wants it moved. Okay. But it does have its own sound chip. And uh, like you guys were mentioning earlier, the the sound amp is up on that upper board near all the high voltage and stuff, so it picks up a lot of buzz. That's a good spot for it. <laughs> Put it up near so the 20, 30 kilovolt. <laughs> so when you yeah. do a draw line, you're literally drawing a line. Yeah, correct. Yeah. <laughs> you control yeah. the deflection as an offset from the center. Yep. So it's very efficient for drawing lines. Yeah, that's really cool. So it How many times have I said that on this show? That's really cool. I keep saying it after every segment. <laughs> so it, it must have a font in the Brahm too, then. It does. Yeah, it's been mapped in and then it's scanned that. across. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I like the ultraviolet backlight, though. That's Yeah, cool. that looks cool. Well, you know, these pictures, believe it or not, are not doing it justice. Uh, you should really check a YouTube video if you want to see how impressive it is. And unfortunately, it doesn't emulate very well. You, you hey, look at that intensity. <laughs> I grew up in very the much. 70s. I had the posters. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I used to make <laughs> them. posters. <laughs> Reminds me very much of Tron, you know, the, the graphics in Tron. Yeah, the movie. That's... I can see a lot Action. of Coco games working good on this. The only problem is you really have to think because you don't have much RAM. Unless you add it in the cartridge. Yeah, you're working from the cartridge mostly. Uh, like all your code goes into the cartridge, but not not into RAM. So you, I mean, you're talking about these new cartridges they're doing with these overlays and stuff here. So obviously you're in touch with the uh, the Vectrix new new brew scene. Um, have, have has any of the Vectrix programmers taken advantage of the six three nine itself? No, I think no. 
someone might have tried they tried speeding up the 6809 i don't think anyone's really put in a, a 6309 in it yet i'm going to do it now the and next I'm, I'm the, the most recent thing was putting an arm chip on a cartridge so they have a pytrex which is a raspberry pi that plugs into the side and then you know, acts as a coprocessor um, but on board itself a lot of the folks really do just stick with the uh, 6809 not a lot of folks I know that have looked at the the 6309 and but if you did I mean you'd have to then pull your ROMs and put your own custom ROMs in as well to enable the native mode and all those kinds of things so really Curtis if you're looking for more work <laughs> all someone has to do <laughs> is mention how much you know about 6309 porting and you know performance hacking and you will never hurt for email again. <laughs> uh, no, just in case he doesn't have enough. Just in case he doesn't have enough already. Has, uh, <laughs> one kilobyte of RAM. Oh well. Yeah. And that's split. Half of it's used by the executive already anyway. The way that Basic stores a bunch of variables, the executive ROM that's used by all the games also stores a bunch of variables. So you got about 500 bytes then. <laughs> Sounds like programming Atari 2600 almost at that point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, this is far, far more enjoyable than a 2600. <laughs> no, I, I was being serious. Hey, Alan. <laughs> hey, Alan. Um, are you from, have you had Vectrix for a long time? Yeah. All right. Do, um, do the screens uh, wind up getting old? You can actually see trace lines on you know when there's yes you can burn burn them if you leave a demo running too long or uh they'll like for example the built-in game called mindstorm it runs through a sequence over and over again and if you let that burn in you can actually see a v on your screen where the the mindstorm mine layer ship travels the screen over and over and over again because uh, a lot of times the kids that originally had these crank the brightness way up and yeah, so right. they're really pushing the phosphor hard um but it's got a little knob on the back you just tune it back down and you don't notice much of the burn mm. Feel and the then burn. with the with the uv overlays and stuff it, that that can actually cover up and fix quite a bit as well mm. are they is it a, a standard crt i mean can you replace it with you replace it with no, it's kind of it's kind of a little custom guy. There are there are folks out there that know how to get the replacements and where to get them from. And there was a project called Scope Trex where you actually can take the Vectrex and use an oscilloscope as the screen for it. Oh wow! It, uh, has been put together recently. Yeah, I saw that as well. It's a vector screen. Yeah, wind up with, a, with a little round screen like this. <laughs> well yeah it still draws you're still just doing defle deflection drawing so uh, there's also some folks that I've heard that have been working on interfacing their Vectrex to the, the stand up vector arcade cabinets but you know really down in the end of it it's all 6809 code which is kind of cool because you can look at the, um, the a lot of the tutorials and homebrewing there are a lot of 6809 tutorials for the Vectrex that have some really good techniques and tricks in them that you can use on the Cocos as well. Yeah, Chibi oh, cool. who we've covered doing the Coco videos amongst his others, like he's doing, you know, you know, Sega Genesis and stuff too. He's actually doing Vectrix too, and he's he's mentioned that crossover of the CPU between the two. Hmm. 
What's cool is it's black. <laughs> <laughs> They're fun machines. They're unique for the time, and the company that made them released the rights to all the original ROMs for them uh, several years ago. So as long as you're not doing commercial, trying to commercially resell them, that uh, you can include them in game collections or, or download them and stuff. And there's no legality issues with those. The only legality issues now that tend to run around are uh, a lot of people are trying to pirate the new homebrews that the people that are making them are trying to uh, recover the cartridge costs and the, the manufacturing on. But uh, there is a pretty uh, there is a pretty thriving multi-cart business for the Vectrex and, and tons of code out there that you can legally get your hands on to either emulate. There's several good emulators for it or to learn from. So it's yet another source of code that uh, you could do with a Coco. So uh, looking at a Vectrex screen with a uh, LED screen would, would not have the same feeling. It wouldn't even work. No, I'm yeah, it, um, it, an emulation. Well, uh, uh, no, it doesn't. LCD. Yeah, an LCD scope. You could probably go there. I haven't seen that, but uh, one of the one of the charms of the vector screen is the 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 fade after the trace, and that's yeah. the, one of the harder yeah. parts of uh, of emulating the Vectrex screen or a vector game is getting the the phosphor response to work the same persistence yeah yeah, yeah. plus something with the vector you're getting an absolutely smooth line on a diagonal whereas you're getting that little stair step i mean if you look really close even on the higher res screens we got these days you'll see the little stair steps yeah right. you don't there's get that not any the aliasing on it because it's at the resolution of the mask of the the crt yeah. mm. Is it a monochrome mask on it? A uh, monochrome phosphor on it, or is yes, it yeah. yeah. They they went to make a color one back in the day, uh, and that never got released because it's a big, giant pain to do color vector, and in a yeah. home, uh, in a home cabinet, that's not really go a, a good way to live. Uh, and they also have a 3D imager for the Vectrex that has this spinning disc of red, green, and blue that's in a big mask that you look through. And it, huh. it will draw the traces for each of the particular three colors as that particular sequence of the spinning disc goes by your eyes. So you can actually get a, a kind of a color 3D effect out of the monochrome screen. Wow. <laughs> old, school, old school meets new school. You're literally using mechanical masks to, uh, to provide the color. That's, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it was a cool system. It was pretty unique in the home arcade you know, our home arcade style consoles at the time there. I mean, it was the only one using a 6809 as far as I know. The only one using vector base instead of raster based. And it had a bunch of things. Mm. They had the joysticks built right into the console itself too. And It was famous for being the only machine with a good Asteroids clone. Yeah, right. Yeah. Actually, uh, Mr. Davis is uh, kind of showing an Asteroid style game. Except right it's buggy. <clears throat> they never expected anyone to get past level 13. So at level uh -huh. 13, it goes nuts. Uh, they had to release an updated version. So there's a Mindstorm 2 that has the bug fix in it. Um, can you, can we uh, maximize? Yeah, maximize that, Mr. Uh, Dave's there because he's kind of showing it yeah. running here so we can see what it looks like. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there. Oh, it's all right. Mindstorm's a great game. And it was built in so you could take it home, turn it on, and there would you would be playing something very 
asteroids like but that has so that screen right that ship right there that's the one that if you just let it play over and over and over for years as a demo you'll eventually get a little v <laughs> yeah right yeah. right yeah right right so like mr dave has his contrast cranked way out so it's nice and bright which of course also is uh yeah rob rob if, if you're there can you pin um dave's video so we can kind of show what that looks like so yeah. everybody knows what we're talking about uh yep. yes. Oh yeah. Oh, that's cool. And uh, with the AY chip that's in it, it you know, with, that was also used in a number of arcade games. That's one of the joys of the speech sound cartridge is that you got that kind of arcade game style sound chip available. All the sound routines for the Vectrex work on the speech sound chip with just a little bit of minor conversion for clock speed. That's it. So all these sound effects are effectively a library that you could use on the speech sound cartridge right now. I really shouldn't be giving my tricks away like that, but okay. <laughs> it's very beautiful. Very beautiful. You already awesome. promised you're blogging it anyway. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Vectrex is an amazing machine and, uh, because it's 6809, there's a, there's a lot of really good uh, synergy for use of a horrible word that you can get from, you know, because I started, that's kind of why I got back into the Coco was that I started trying to build a Vectrex program and realized how garbage I am at 6809 assembly. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, I know I'm going to have to go ahead and tackle that Barden book that killed me before. So here we go. And that's when I decided to pick a, get my Coco 2 and, and, and go this route. Was I had actually been putting together a, a cheesy game on a Vectrex and, and just realized that, no, I need to actually do 6809 right. But their ROM makes it super easy to get started. Hmm. So after we hijacked your presentation there, Dave, did you have anything more to to show <laughs> no I, I got a lot going on um obviously i'm making some cartridges for the vectrex because i have a 3d printer now so i've been making coco msx vectrex um really getting my hands dirty on all of this stuff but my my main goal really this winter is i want to make a good coco 3 game Dave. and i really want to push the system to the limits Dave, well there's listen. no limits there's there's something you could make on your printer that would that you already have I think do you have a CM8? Can you make oh, the CM8 doors? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, they all have doors. Yeah. I'm, yeah I'm well, good. Can, can you make any? Since you <laughs> can make one. No, Ron's yeah. looking for replacement CM8 no, doors. I, I have all my doors. <laughs> I'm just thinking of you. You can make some money because yeah, we don't need everybody. we don't need window. We don't need windows here. We've got all our doors. Hmm. No, that was a bad joke. Oh, I'll go and crawl back in my hole. Sorry. <laughs> it was a good try, Dave. It was a good try. <laughs> yeah. It's this CRT monitor, I tell you. I'm stuck behind it, and it's having an effect on me. <laughs> all right. Well, so did you have anything else, David, or is that kind of your update for today? Well, that's about it. I mean, um, really, I just, just started on my game, you know. And I'm working on uh, doing compression of the graphics so I can load a lot. And uh, I really want to have like something special for the Coco 3, something kind of different than what we've had. 
not as fun as as Gunstar or something, but you know, something with a lot of graphics and music, um, lots of hardware tweaks, and I'll put it all on the cartridge or uh, SD card. Something for mm. Co Coco Fest next, <laughs> maybe. Hopefully. Cool. Okay. Did anybody else have any other projects or project updates, acquisitions, et cetera, that they want to yeah, I know, talk about? Yeah, I know, I know Ron has something, so let's take yeah. a quick break and come back with uh, Ron's Garage. Okay. All right. All right, we'll be right back. Which one was I going to play? I forgot. Uh, <laughs> do this one. And now, this message. Hi, it's Chris Boyle, part of the uh, Coco Tech crew of people. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Noble, co author of Nitrous Nine. You are listening to Coco Talk Live, the leading live Coco Talk show. Good day, mates. This is Nick Marionettes, author of such color computer titles as Donut Disaster, Rupert Rhymes, and Rockstar Pilot. And I am here today to tell you about the world's most fabulous operating system, OS9. OS9 and its current incarnation, Nitrous 9, is the most advanced operating system ever created. And what makes it so good? Ease of use. I find OS9 so incredibly intuitive that I haven't once cracked open the user manual. And yet I've been able to create such incredible games faster than the time it takes to sing Walsing Matilda. Using OS9, I expect my next game, Funstar, will be done this weekend and distributed exclusively on ROM cartridge. OS9 forever. Any resemblance to actual events, to persons living or dead, is purely coincidental. Hi, this is Max Jackson, live from Coco Fest. And you listen to the real game, Steve Shrow. We're traveling through a dimension both of sound and ideas. We're at a place where the mind can comprehend and devise a solar radio, a wireless transmitter, measure time and light. 65 electronic projects brought to reality with this science fair kit. Astonishing, perhaps. But you can find it for Christmas for $17.95 in a place that's known as Radio Shack. Radios, stereos, recorders, everything in sound. Hello, everyone. It's time for everyone's favorite segment, Ron's Garage. It's with Ron Delvo. How you doing, Thank Ron? You. Hey, I love that song. Okay. <laughs> okay. I went too quick. No problem. <laughs> there you go. Can you see it? Uh, can can yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. I did some creative drawing. <laughs> On my uh, Corel draw, and put together a uh, a bunch of fake news. That's <laughs> well, cool. <laughs> that is cool. Sweet. I like the fact you're getting into Base Nine. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And then I did. That's the, not fake did. news, though. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, that's it's, the truth. It happens, yeah, it happens. Well, it's fake because it's on a, it's presented 
as though it was on TV. That's right. It wasn't. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. But the, yeah. Um, I did download um, some stuff about this WeFax program, and uh, someone else put a tag on. It was in this rainbow where it talked about weather facts. It was really really cool thing back in the day to play with those. And I, um, oh, this here is, uh, I'm just going through some of the stuff I've been doing. This is the Radio Shack logo, the new one on a, on a Coco, which is cool. That, uh, just going back to the Oops. WeFax thing, Ron, is, yeah. is that, can you actually still use that service? Is it still, yeah, still um, there and running? I've been working on it. Um, I went and, uh, hooked it up last night in the garage and put a wire out on my, uh, color computer and on my, um, I have a Panasonic shortwave and I did get a signal, but they weren't broadcasting anything. I did get it to sync and I, I can show that, but anyway, yeah, this that's here, what I was getting at. I was, I was just wondering whether they actually still were broadcasting the data for it. Yeah. Uh, they, they show it that they are. I, I well, don't know if I can download it yet. I'm going to try and then I'll post it. Anyway, well, this is uh, a job I did on the color computer on, um, on Coco Max. And uh, this is before I sold the job, and I, I printed out uh, this sketch, and I went, took it to the customer and sold it, and then put put the job up. Anyway, that was cool. Back in the day, nobody else was doing stuff like that, but I could do mm. that on my Coco. What was, was that? Doing, what? I was doing that before I was playing games. <laughs> was that so like early '80s or? Yeah, '80s, mm. mid '80s. Uh, Ron, you had a sign writing business, was that you? Yeah, I was in the sign business. I used to make uh, these letters. I, I made uh, foam plastic letters. It, and it okay, pretty yeah. much laid out all the lettering by hand uh, on, on foam, on paper, and then uh, cut it out with a saber saw, and then paint it, and then paint it with a uh, color. You paint it white with uh, latex, and then you can put a lettering enamel over it. That'd be quite a labor-intensive process, I'd imagine. I was just yeah. thinking the same. Yeah, it's quite. Yeah, it, it, as time went on, involved. I was able to uh, use a plotter on my, uh, you know, my PC and make um, sketches or make take the um, lettering and you know make a, a pencil drawing of the lettering and then um, uh, glue that onto the foam board and then cut through the foam board right on the line that was made on the, you know, plot. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that worked well. Let's see what else do I got here. Um, this is uh, Robert Galt's program uh, in uh, composite of the color computer um, that I took a picture of. And then I made mm-hmm. it 256 pixels tall, I think it is. And 109 wide, yeah, and then um, 256 color, but you know, you get what you get anyway. It came out pretty cool, hmm. not bad. A melted keyboard, yeah. Then I did uh, some Halloween stuff way back at Halloween, printed a bunch of these. That's the same process, that's high color, high color, too. And then uh, let's see, what did I want to go to? Oh, here's uh, <laughs> Fletcher <laughs> with a different hair color. And um, isn't that a cool looking? Um, Looks like an ADM 3A to me. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Hmm. 
I thought that was neat. Yeah. Back in the day, man, that was high tech. It looked really cool. Yeah. We we had about half a dozen of those hooked up to the Coco at work. Oh, cool. Oh, well. So this is my uh, Coco two. Well, Coco one that looks like a two. Yeah, built then evidently. There it is. Yep, now, that is a Coco two in Australia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. That was exactly the one I had. I got fitted a thirty-two centimeter color television on that. Yeah, there's mm. there's my my black cocoa from back in the nineties. That thing was so yellowed it was terrible. So I painted it black. And uh, when I took I it to see the, a my, red door and I want it painted black. <laughs> when I took it to my <laughs> to my club meeting, they uh they thought it was pretty cool. Nobody yeah. ever had one. This is a biorhythm program that I I ran across in that same um, uh, rainbow. And usually biorhythm programs are um, uh, you know, a, um, what do you call it? Um, a sine wave plot. Sine, exactly. But that one is not, which is amazing. Anyway, uh, has nothing to do with anything. Those stupid programs. They're kind of <laughs> the weirdest thing, aren't they? I mean, it's just made up stuff. Yeah, I remember getting into to, a friend of mine was right into biorhythms at one point. And he was trying to convince me it was the answer to all life's questions and everything. And, mm -hmm. and I thought, yeah, okay, all right, whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember there was one company in Rainbow Camera who used to sell the biorhythm program, but they had that little clip you put on your finger to like read your heart rate or temperature. I'm not sure exactly what it was supposedly doing, but yeah, same thing. It really didn't do much, really. No. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, oh, today's are critical. <laughs> I first saw it on a 2 8. Yeah, yeah. We already know that forty-two is the answer. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I first saw the biorhythms programs on the uh, two eight six um, PC, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, okay, right." I thought <laughs> it was Hokum. It's digital snake oil is what I call those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if uh, I'm not into the astrology either, astronomy maybe. Yep. But but not no, astrology. Totally agree with well, you there, Ron. <laughs> Ron, there's no actual scientific evidence to prove that astrology is real. No. None. <laughs> Zero. It, it's only real in... Yeah. <laughs> it's made up. Yep. Sorry out there, anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome yeah, to Night Busters, Cocoa Edition. Actually, it's like, it's, uh, it's, it's like just like atoms. You can't trust them because they make up everything. <laughs> uh, the movie yeah. movie back in the seventies called the Kentucky Fried Movie. They did a spoof of a morning show, yep. and they had the astrology section, and they had a disclaimer. It says, "We'd like to we'd like to um, we present this for people who are not willing to take responsibility for their own lives." Exactly. It's a great <laughs> disclaimer. That's about it. Well, isn't it? It's yeah. <laughs> I actually met someone who was a journalist and they said that's one of the first things they learned to do is actually write horoscopes. H-O-R-R-O-R scopes. Horoscopes. One of um, a church pastor actually of a church that I used to go to, he pulled out all these different horoscopes from all these magazines and it said, you may have this, you might have that, this might happen <laughs> and that might happen, but nothing finite, nothing. This will happen, that'll happen. It was just, might, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe that. It's like, okay. Oh, you live in a house, don't you? Oh, I bet you're you're going to be going out the front door today. 
Your house has a front door, yes? Does it have a window? You might open the window today and you might get a fresh breath of air. Then they go home and they do it. Oh, wow, the horoscope's real. <laughs> I'm still stuck in the age of Aquarius. <laughs> oh, now I've got the song stuck in my head. Thanks, Ron. <laughs> yeah, well, did, did you have anything else, Ron? Or? No, that's it pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll Any? be, you know, every week, every day, I have time on my hands, so I go ahead and, and make stuff up and throw it out there. So no. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons I don't cover the news, because but you, yeah, you do, do enough stuff during the week there, you can do your own segment every time. So right. I'm not okay. stealing your thunder. That's good. Thanks. Great. Well, uh, Patrick, did you did you have anything else you want to go over on your projects? Um, not really just yet. I'm still drawing and arguing with the take netlist off, editor and <laughs> take, take me off. I'm and uh, <laughs> okay. Ron, how you doing? <laughs> Down, move me off. <laughs> Everyone's mentioning you to focus on our screens here on Zoom. So, yeah, that is the worst Marcel Marceau impression <laughs> I've ever seen. Play the music. Well, before I do that, I just want to check with David O'Connor. Are you are you good? Did we cover everything you have to talk about? Yeah, I don't have anything specific this week. I will have something next week, though. We've got um, one thing I will quickly mention is um, Friday night this week. We've got another Adelaide Retro Computer Meetup. So. Oh. Uh, I've been getting in touch with the guys, and I'm hoping actually to spend some more time on my uh, Coco D on the bottom right of my screen there, ah. and actually get something you know closer to finished and take it with me to the to the meet. So I'll uh, hopefully don't, don't get forget some to video. demonstrate Nitrous Nine this time too. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> most definitely. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be uh, number one priority for sure. Have it permanently running on one one of the machines I take with me. You're a man after my own heart, David. I considered doing that when I was younger too, getting a, a Model 4 case and putting a cocoa in it and saying, here you go. Yeah. Yeah, I've always loved the look of the Model 4 case. It just says Same. computer. Mm. <laughs> All right, well, uh, any, uh, yeah. anyone else, uh, anything we missed uh, project-wise that you want to go over? Or we can play the outro and uh, move on with our uh, weekend. Play the outro, Sam. I mean, Rob. <laughs> hey, don't don't forget, you guys can get a lot of my pictures in the um, archive. I have downloaded most of them, Ron. Yeah, so, yes. uh, yeah, absolutely appreciate that. Yep. Don't forget, colorcomputerarchive.com. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's a great place. Great yep. place. And there's stuff, new stuff showing up there just about every week. So All the time. Great. Well, thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone on the panel. Um, so many uh, to mention. Uh, Mark. Oh, for running the chat, really appreciate that. Um, Curtis, uh, every every everybody, um, uh, Nick Marota, of course. Um, we've got uh, even more everybody else on the on the panel here. Mark Mark B and and Chad and Patrick, um, Mr. Dave. In the live chat, we had so many people: Kevin Holloway, Tim Franklin. Um, Eight bits in the basement. Steve Rasmussen, I believe that's legendary. Buck Owens. Buck Owens. Um, Ken, uh, can Ken make it? Well, he made. He certainly made made it today, and uh, produced a wonderful video. Um, of course, uh, El Presidente uh, Retro Innovations. The list goes on and on. But uh, Sixie mm -hmm. was out there, and we're uh, the actual lifeblood of our machine, right? <laughs> yeah. We actually make it work. <laughs> yeah, it takes a village. 
Um, and <laughs> we thank you all, and we'll uh, we'll see you again next week. And uh, yep, good night, start everybody. of the, the game on challenge for the Joust clones here. And That's right. We should always remind people. Last week was pipes. Yes. Pick up your copy of pipes, nickmarentes.com. <laughs> next week is buzzard bait. Buzzard bait. And remember, everyone, if you have to lay a really long pipe, just hold down the space bar to speed up the process. That's right. Yep. All right. Good night, everybody. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to CocoTalk at CocoTalk.live. CocoTalk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because CocoTalk is rocking the 8-bit world. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marentes, Rondell Vaux, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Steggy, Nick Morota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. help support the Coco community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. 